You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into the Wednesday edition of Sports Call Live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan LaVoy, the host of the show today. I've got Cam Berry with me and Tom Peavy for the full three hours. Uh, Cam Berry will be with me for the full three hours. Tom will be a little bit late today, but he'll be joining us in just a little bit. T.P. Hammock is running the board and taking your phone calls on this Wednesday afternoon. Of course, we look forward to a very big basketball game in Thompson Bowling Arena in Knox tonight between the Tennessee Volunteers and the Auburn Tigers. Fourth-ranked Tennessee, 11th-ranked Auburn. So a very big one tonight in Knoxville. So we'll preview that one. We'll also look around the SEC in action that happened last night and action in store around the league tonight and update the SEC standings. Of course, spring practice got underway yesterday, so we'll give you any news and notes uh, that are worth your while here on this Wednesday edition of the show. Uh, and usually he is able to join us on Tuesday, but this time on this Wednesday, Justin Ferguson will join us at 3.30. So he will be talking a little bit about that Auburn and Tennessee matchup, where Auburn basketball stands with the health of Jalen Williams, and also a little bit about spring football practice as well. If you want to give us a call on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line today, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, one triple eight nine Tiger Nine and Tom Peavy will join us in just a few minutes. My name is Ryan Lavoy and Cam Berry joining me right now. Cam, I hope that your Wednesday has been good so far. Good to see you, sir. Yeah, yeah. Wednesday is going well. Good to see you as well, Ryan. Uh, um, uh, first time on the show, so a, fa- a fantastic game from uh, Auburn and Chad Baker Mazzara and and Chaney Johnson on Saturday against Georgia. Um, uh, good kind of a, I mean a great game for everybody to kind of get right kind of like what we talked about Ryan you know this was an opportunity for everybody else to step up and and I would say that everybody stepped up in a way that they were supposed to Auburn finished with a 21 point win Chad Baker Mazzara career high Cheney Johnson I think also a career high uh, so a fantastic games from both of them and then also Aiden Holloway made five threes a, a hopeful get get right game for him we want to obviously see more of that uh, it will be it'll be tough against this matchup with Tennessee but you hope to see more of that uh, from Aiden going forward um, even when Jalen Williams does eventually make it back into the lineup um, but yeah I, I'm uh, ready to talk some hoops talk it with Ferg talk it with you Ryan whenever Tom gets here maybe Maybe a little bit with him too, um, and uh, and talk this Tennessee matchup because it, it's it's certainly going to be a good one, certainly going to be an interesting one, and uh, yeah, I'm doing great. Uh, so let's get to it then on this Wednesday afternoon. Let's start by talking a little bit about that Auburn and Tennessee game. We'll preview it a couple different times today on the show today, but. Uh, 
this one is kind of the last huge game on the radar uh, for Auburn in the regular season. Uh, yes, Mississippi State is a tournament caliber team coming in here Saturday and a team that did beat Auburn uh, in Starkville. However, uh, with their loss to, to Kentucky last night, it's not like they're knocking on the door being in the top 25. So this likely your last quad one game of the regular season. Your other matchups in March at Missouri and hosting Georgia certainly will not be that. So this is the big one left on Auburn's schedule, and it will determine a lot in the SEC standings race too. If Auburn uh, were to lose tonight, and that will probably be it for its hopes of winning the SEC regular season title. However, if they are able to win, then all they would need is to win these three remaining games, which would be incredibly winnable, and have Alabama lose to either Tennessee or Florida most likely. Uh, and then you'd have at least a share of the title amongst Auburn and, and whoever else is, is standing there with four losses at the end of the day. So if you can get through this, you feel awesome about your prospects uh, of finishing with 14-4, and four, and therefore you feel great about your chances to at least get a share of the title. If you lose tonight with five losses and, and Tennessee and Alabama just having three, the, that will probably be all she wrote, and we'll just be talking about the seeding for the SEC tournament and that sort of thing. But Cam, obviously a huge opportunity and a huge talent test tonight as uh, I think in the minds of many Tennessee is the best team in the SEC they have a different dynamic to them this year uh, and of course going to Tennessee makes life all the more difficult yeah all the more difficult right obviously we, re we remember what happened uh, last time the Tigers played at uh, at Bowling Thompson Arena a, a very egregious missed no uh, a missed three attempt or not three attempt a missed call on a foul on a three attempt on Wendell Green Jr. Uh, where um, uh, a player was in his landing space did not get called at all whatsoever and uh, obviously, I, I bet a lot of players, you know, from from last year's team, have this game circled in Tennessee uh, because they I, I might have felt a certain type of way when it comes to comes to that no call. I'm sure, um, but yes, Tennessee absolutely does have a a new dynamic. They have a true scoring threat. Uh, still kind of have those scoring droughts every once in a while, but you you have a guy in Dalton Connect who who can light it up at any point in time, uh, averaging 20.1 points per game and. Uh, he can really, really turn it on at any point in time. Uh, so you obviously going to watch out for him. I'm very curious because normally I feel like that might have been Jalen Williams' uh, 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 matchup assignment. So I'm gonna, I definitely want to ask uh, Justin Ferguson about, uh, you know, who he thinks is gonna end up getting the call for uh, guarding Dalton Connect uh, because it, I mean he's a tough guard. The, the guy's really, really good. Um, he's on every award watch list. He's uh, he's definitely in the running for SEC Player of the Year. So it, it'll be interesting to see who draws that assignment from most of the game uh and and then you gotta lean on still your guy Janai broom you gotta make sure that uh you know he gets his uh he gets his down low it'll be a tough matchup because they do have jonas adu uh who is a a good and a fantastic uh defensive anchor uh, and so you got, he's going to have a tough matchup. He's got to be able to not foul uh, Adu when he's on when on, when Janai is on defense, uh, so that he doesn't get in any foul trouble. That's going to be big as well. Because again, you're in Thompson Bowling Arena, so you're gonna it, it's going to be interesting. You, it always is when it comes to fouls and and the, and and the likes of that. And so you got to be able to be disciplined if you're Janai. It'll be a good matchup. I think he. I think he stands a very good chance uh, as well. And then still, you just got to continue to play your disciplined defense if you're Auburn. That's really where where it starts. Is 
uh, playing your your version of, of defense and uh, you know getting to your spots when it comes to offense and and running your running your game plan uh, and don't let Tennessee kind of you know run away with things so it'll be interesting it'll be a good matchup it'll be a fun defensive matchup I feel like uh, and, and uh, we'll, we'll definitely have a lot to talk about uh, for this one. So when when you look at the Vols, as you said, again, Dalton Connect is where it begins with them. Uh, that's the different dimension I'm referring to. Every Tennessee team, it feels like under Rick Barnes, has been a team that was very defensively oriented, uh, a slower-paced team that would not be up for the run-and-gun type, would not be able to uh, join a team and in, in scoring into the 80s and that sort of thing. And we're definitely looking to play the lower uh, scoring style of play. Again, I use this analogy for Houston a lot now, but very much the Tony Bennett Virginia teams when they were clicking of the 2014 through 2020 yeah, or so yeah. variety. That right. was what Tennessee was trying to bring into the SEC, and that had been their goal the last six or seven years. It also led to a lot of early NCAA tournament and postseason exits. Well, this year they are not as good defensively. They have taken a step back there, but they have taken a giant step forward offensively with Dalton Connect. They're scoring 80 points a game, which is in the top 40 or 50 in the country, which is, again, not something Rick Barnes' teams at uh, Tennessee were were used to. Now, maybe (laughs) at Texas, that was a different style. But uh, at Tennessee, they had not been doing that. Just way too slow of a pace to be doing that. Uh, And they've had one of the unique things this year where – to kind of prove to you how their offense has changed a lot. Last year, most of the time, half the time, a lot of the time, their best offensive option was Santiago Vescovi, it felt right. like, him and Zakai Ziegler. Uh, well, this year, Santiago Vescovi uh, is sixth in the team in scoring. Uh, so he has not uh, taken a, a forward role this year. He's still there. He still shoots a pretty respectable percentage. He's a veteran leader. But he has not been asked to do nearly as much offensively. Uh, and even Zakai Ziegler coming off that, uh, I believe, torn ACL, ACL at the end of last yes. year, missed the NCAA tournament. Uh, he's even their third leading scorer. You mentioned Jonas Adu, uh, somebody that has stepped up a lot for them, was really not much of a factor for him last year. Now a double-digit score as their clearly best big guy. Um, you know, I can't remember the dude's name, but they had that uh, guy last year that really mixed it up. Um, uh, oh, uh, yeah. yeah. I know who you're talking Got about. Got chippy and yeah. was oh. not a huge threat, but would definitely rumple name. some feathers. Gosh, could not stand that guy. Yeah, I, I, I know exactly <laughs> who you're talking about. Uh, plus, it's Plosic. or something Plosic, like that. Yeah, yes. there we go. Uh, and uh, yeah, that kid's not there anymore. So now they have a little more talent. Yeah, that was a grown down man. there. He was. I mean, he had a wife and kids. <laughs> yeah, it seemed like. Uh, but so now you have Jonas Sadie, who is a offensive threat and is a threat to do more than just rumple some feathers. Uh, and then you still have all the other pieces you had from the previous year, Josiah Jordan James, uh, James, and as I mentioned, Ziegler and, and Bescovy. So. Uh, you have a more complete offensive team now. This is Matt Tennessee in some ways is not the defensive stalwart it was, but uh, if you've been keeping up with Tennessee, yes, they've not played the best competition. But ever since they lost at Texas A&M, uh, second or third game of February, here are the results because they are thumping people. Uh, beat Arkansas 92-63 in Bud Walton Arena. Of course, Auburn can relate to a thumping in Bud Walton this year. Tennessee destroyed Vandy 88-53. Did have a weird scare with, at Missouri 72-67 and then avenged their loss against Texas. Texas A&M by beating them 86-51 to in Thompson Bowling Arena this past weekend. So 
Uh, Tennessee seems to be figuring out defense, at least as of late. They've not allowed more than 67 points in their last four games. So, uh, again, this team is as complete as I feel it gets. There might be an element you could take from other SEC teams. Like you could say maybe Auburn's defense is as good or a little better. Or you could say Alabama or Kentucky's offense maybe just has a few more prolific options. But when you round out the fact that they are a solid defensive team, they do have a true number one one guy in Dalton Connect, and they have a lot of experience with their backcourt, this makes sense why this team has kind of been well-rounded right. and been able to lead the SEC and is, again, one of the two teams uh, tied at the top with Alabama with three losses. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they are an extremely well-rounded team, like you said, Ryan. I couldn't have said it better myself. Uh, it, it'll be interesting to see again in Thompson Bowling Arena. They, I mean, I don't think they've lost there since that loss against South Carolina. Uh, so they, they're obviously always ready to defend home court, uh, and, and winning on the road is always going to be tough if you're Auburn. You just got to be be prepared for whatever happens when you're there. Uh, referees wise, whoever's calling the game, uh, you got to be able to stay disciplined, stay stay within your game. Uh, I, I mean, you did it very well against a not as good, uh, not near as good Georgia team, of course. But you know that Georgia team, they did make a surge in the second half and tried to come back. And uh, Auburn went on a uh, an 11-0 run, which um, I, I think is what. Um, Justin Ferguson, when he was live tweeting the game, called it a kill shot, uh, a, a kill shot run of ten or ten or more, uh, ten o run or more, and so you know, kind of put him away after that. So you got to be able to just kind of stay disciplined. It's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna be rough. I think it's gonna be a slugfest. I don't know if it'll be the forty three forty six game like we saw would, last maybe year, half. <laughs> right, maybe <laughs> a half, but it'll be, uh, it'll certainly be a. Um, a a very defensive game i feel like uh and, and it'll be a tough matchup um you know especially like like for the guards i think it'll still be a tough matchup for the guards right i mean you do have dalton connect you do have zakai ziegler who is a very disciplined and very very good guard has been for tennessee now for three years if i remember correctly the dude's always been great even as a freshman uh he was always lighting it up so for them to have him back is very very crucial um i felt like they would have gotten farther in the tournament had they had ziegler last year they just i mean you know you lose your point guard things like that will happen for sure so i i think uh it'll be tough and then like you said vescovy who's who's been there for feels like a decade and uh, he's he's a very uh, skilled guard, very skilled shooter. Uh, hasn't had to do as much, um, but that probably plays to Tennessee's favor overall because it's like, well, don't forget about this guy. He can still do these things, whatever, whatever. I think the last time he was, uh, last time they played Auburn, he, when he was, uh, when when Tennessee was here uh, in Neville Arena, I think Vescovy scored like twenty five points, something like that. So he's a he's a, a really really good scoring option. Uh, and then and then you have Dalton Connect, who again, like I said, he's all these things, and the guy can score at will, and uh, chose to come to Tennessee to help his draft stock and learn uh, and get better on defense. Actually, so that's why he chose to to come and play for for Rick Barnes so uh it'll it'll be a tough matchup for the guards they got to be able to stay disciplined everybody's got to stay out of foul trouble obviously that's the big thing is is going to be foul trouble uh I mean you know Auburn even got in trouble against 
Georgia uh, with some foul trouble as well, but they were able to kind of work through it because Auburn was scoring at such a high clip. So that that's the biggest thing, I think, uh, with this matchup in Thompson Bowling Arena is, is you have to be able to stay disciplined. And sometimes it doesn't matter, I will say. Sometimes it doesn't matter, but hopefully you want to you wanna, uh, be able to, to stay out of foul trouble so that Auburn will be able to play their style of basketball. Just to give you the concrete numbers on what I was referring to earlier about how this team has changed from last year, Santiago Vescovi was the leading scorer for Tennessee last year at right. over 12 and a half game. He is, in fact, sixth in field goal attempts and in points per game this year for Tennessee. Tennessee scored 70.8 points a game last year. That was 196 in the country. And they allowed 57.9 points a game, which was third. Well, you kind of increased both by 10 this year. They're averaging over 80 points a game. That's 40th, but they're allowing 66 and a half. That's still very good. It's 43rd, yeah, uh, but, say, not, they're, but they're not the top good. five that they right. were last year. So they've kind of added 10 and on both both ends of the floor uh, but still working out for them a lot in the regular season we have time for one phone call before we get to justin ferguson at 3 30 today of the auburn observer so 334-887-3401 locally or toll free one triple eight nine tiger nine up first today james from montgomery james is with us james how are you today i'm good and war eagle war eagle yeah, I know that y'all are talking about Auburn and Tennessee because I am going to be watching that game very closely to uh, study Auburn, and I'm just going to see how Janiah Broome is actually going to stand up to a um, a hot team like Tennessee. So I think this is going to be, um, I think this is going to be Auburn's uh, first time actually playing Tennessee in Neville Arena. So I'm thinking that Auburn is going to look like a uh, March Madness team. I don't know what what I will actually look at in tonight's game. I don't know if I'll get the Auburn Tigers from last few seasons ago when they played against Tennessee, or will I get this year's Auburn Tigers uh, that are going to be playing Tennessee this time around? So it, it, it could be a huge toss-up as well. Yeah, again, this game will be in Knoxville, so it will be at Thompson Bowling Arena, Tennessee's home. But, yeah, the one and only time these two teams meet in the regular season in 2024. Yeah, so I'm I'm actually going to look at um, – I'm actually looking at um, will Auburn make it to the March Madness tournament because I know we do have the last three – the last three games of our schedule uh, to close out the 2024 season. So we do play Georgia. We play – Mississippi State, and we play Missouri. So those are going to be the key tests that I'm that I'm actually going to be seeing because I'm going to be watching Georgia. I'm going to be watching Mississippi State and uh, Missouri. So I'm going to be watching those games as well and uh, studying their, their playbook as well because I know we'll be playing them really soon before uh, next week because I know next week starts um, the March Madness bracket. So that would – um, I'll, I'll probably see where Auburn will stand in my bracket this year as well. Yeah, and of course Auburn's already played uh, both Mississippi State and Georgia, so you could go back and look at those Auburn games against those two and figure out ways Auburn can improve. Yes, I I, um, I would actually look at those because I did look at those highlights from last week when we did play against Georgia and we played against Mississippi State. And I think those were the the final scores I actually looked at. I think those were both losses. I'm not quite sure, so I have to go back a few weeks prior to this game and see um, what you know what was the final score for Georgia and 
uh, Mississippi State as well. Well, again, Auburn did just beat Georgia. That was uh, this past weekend. They did lose, however, to Mississippi State when it was on the road in Starkville. Uh, that was back in the month of January. It was a low-scoring game, uh, 64-58 Mississippi State. But uh, Auburn took care of Georgia this past Saturday. Yes, I saw. And then with um, me actually – studying all of these different uh, college games for March Madness. I do have Alabama uh, losing out to Old Miss because I think Old Miss is, a, is looking like a, like a um, bubble team that I'm actually going to be putting in into my uh, bracket. So I'm just going to see how Old Miss is actually going to stand up to a cold team like uh, Alabama as well. Yeah, Alabama did uh, did finally lose over the weekend to Kentucky, but they're still tied for the SEC lead with Tennessee. It would be a big one for Ole Miss. Uh, they are on the bubble, and they do need any type of win. They've been struggling as of late. They've not been looking like an NCAA tournament team, so Ole Miss has to get a game like this or they're not going to make the tournament. Yes, as well. And then with Duke, I'm just trying to see, um, you know, because I know they're pretty playing tonight, but do you think that uh, the NCAA would – rule Duke for what they've done for the storming of the field as well and what do you think the charges might come out of that as well uh, I, I don't think Duke's going to get in trouble they uh, they were the ones that had the uh, court stormed uh, on them when Wake Forest beat them. But, uh, you know, I think that um, I, I think we, we will probably see a rule change uh, if I had to imagine the near future, at least by some of the conferences. Uh, maybe it's an NCAA-wide rule. But, uh, you yeah, know, Duke, Duke was obviously the team that lost to Wake Forest. So they were they were having the court stormed against them. They were not doing the court storming. Yeah, because I think um, when I looked at that, I know that Wake Forest, I know they beat Duke, and I know that the uh, Duke fans stormed the, stormed the court, but I think that was kind of – I mean, that I mean they should keep that because that's a huge tradition in college basketball. I don't think that the NCAA should pull the plug on that. I think that's a really good um, – you know, that's a good way of showing a good history of that school and – and I think it's just staying in college basketball for, for years to come as well. Because for me, I mean, I've actually been actually in, in, a, in a group of people like that when, when uh, they stormed the field in Jordan Harris Stadium when uh, Auburn beat Alabama. And that was one of the best memories that I will ever, that I will ever keep for me as an Auburn fan as well. So I think the storming the field and storming the court should stay in college basketball as well. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think we do have to observe and make sure we uh, do keep a uh, an ability to be safe, but uh, I agree overall. I, I would hate to see those uh, go away because of a, a couple of bad acts. Uh, James, we only got a couple more minutes with you. I know our friend Matt uh, continues to ask you if you have any questions. Mm-hmm. I would remind you he cannot get on YouTube, but uh, – uh, if you have any other questions or advice for him. Um, the only thing that I actually have for my best friend, uh, Matt, is um, it, it, I, I don't know what his uh, schedule might look for, you know, upcoming events that he might have for Special Olympics or anything like that. Um, he can actually, like, try to figure out some some good key ways to, 
to actually stay, you know, in a positive mindset as well. So if he needs any uh, friendly advice, he's, uh, he, uh, I will be calling the show uh, tomorrow, and I will give him uh, my contact information for um, uh, Twitter so he can actually tweet me or actually follow me on, um, you know, on on Instagram and Snapchat, and we can actually work something out as well, and then I can actually help him with whatever he needs as well. All right, we will uh, we will pass that along. Any final thoughts for us today before we have to let you go? Um, the only final thoughts I actually have, um, because I'm actually going to be looking, uh, well, not looking at um, Iowa, because I, I know they'll be playing – Tonight, I think they're playing on Peacock, so I won't be able to watch that. That would be if if I could actually get a chance to watch history being made with uh, Kelsey Clark. I think she looks like a WNBA player, so I'm just going to see where they're going to put her in the WNBA draft because I know it's going to be coming up in April on April the 15th. So I think uh, Kelsey Clark will probably go either first or second round in the draft as well and I, I i probably see i won't see um Asia reese going to the to the wnba because i think it's not her time to actually hit that high stage for the wnba so i think she should stay in lsu and play for another couple of years with the lady tigers as well yeah, uh, Caitlin Clark, I think 51 points away from the, the Maravich number, and uh, he, I, I don't think she'll get it tonight, but I'm sure she'll probably get pretty close and should probably get it the next game, and she will indeed get drafted very high in the WNBA draft when it's uh, her time to enter the draft. Yes, as well, because I'm actually getting ready uh, tomorrow. Um, I'm actually getting ready for the uh, NFL scouting combine, so I'm going to be watching that very closely. Uh, and um, Thursday and then Friday, I'm watching quarterbacks very closely to see uh, who's going to actually uh, make that step up and uh, seeing what, what's really going to happen. So I'll have all that uh, coverage for you all on tomorrow as well. All right, sounds good, James. We appreciate the phone call today. All right, War Eagle. War Eagle, that is James Montgomery joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. We need to take our first time out of the show. That's because Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer is about to join us. He'll fill us in on the latest on Jalen Williams as well as Auburn's matchup ahead of the Tennessee game and a little bit about spring football as spring practice started for the Auburn football team yesterday. You're listening to the Wednesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Sports Call is on the air weekdays from 3 until 6 p.m. This is Philip Lolly, former Auburn Tigers football assistant coach for the 2010 National Championship team, and you are listening to Sports Call.
Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry, and Tom Peavy with you here on this Wednesday edition of the show as we head to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line where we welcome on Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer. Ferg, as always, we greatly appreciate the time. How are things in your world? No, I'm doing well. How are y'all? Uh, doing very well. So I know that you're on the way, maybe just arriving to Knoxville, Tennessee for a big one tonight for Auburn and Tennessee. Of course, I think people would also uh, want to start by list, uh, by hearing the status of Jalen Williams. What do we know about his status for tonight? And uh, and also, Ferg, I don't know if we've heard about what specifically the injury was. Have they talked at all about the chances of, uh, of re-aggravating or anything along those lines with Jalen Williams? Yeah. We don't have really specifics on the injury itself. It was it was a knee injury that didn't require any sort of surgery, um, you know. So I, I would expect if you see Jalen Williams play tonight, it might be braced up or something like that. Um, but you know, this week he he did practice. He practiced Monday and he practiced yesterday. Um, you know, Bruce Pearl said that you know it was going to be a game time decision. That's probably what I'm going to see. Like see how he how he feels probably tonight when in warm ups and go. And if he goes. I'd be surprised if he starts. I'd be surprised if he plays anywhere near his, his you know, normal minutes. It might just be something where you get him out there, you get a few minutes out of him, you kind of get his feet you know, back wet and just kind of get, get going again. I think that's most likely what you're going to do. And, and here's the thing. You know, Auburn just beat Georgia by 21 without Jalen Williams. And, and Tennessee's obviously a much better team than Georgia is. But what I'm saying is, is like, you look at this team and, and you look at the depth, they're not going to force Jalen Williams back into the starting lineup or, or force him back into action before they need to. You know, I think it's one of those things where, um, you know, if Jalen Williams plays, it's because he feels like he can play and they feel like they're pretty, you know, comfortable with it. Um, you know, I don't think it'd be a situation to him, them rushing him back or anything like that. So, um, you know, I think the fact that he did practice the last couple of days is a good sign that he could play tonight. But I wouldn't expect like a anywhere near kind of like the normal, um, you know, amount of work that you would see from from a guy like Jalen Williams. Uh, if anything, it would just really help Auburn out with their depth and their, especially in the front court. And that that Tennessee front court's uh, pretty good. I mean, they're good from front to back, but that that would be something you know really key for them. And then looking on the defensive side of the ball for Auburn, uh, obviously they have the top scorer in Dalton Connect. Uh, matchup wise, who do you think is going to draw that assignment? Could could Bruce throw a couple guys at him, or maybe just keep it in a rotation of two? What do you think on the defensive side for that matchup uh, with Dalton Connect? Yeah, it's interesting because I think when you've seen Auburn play this year against really good guards, really good scoring guards, think of like Mark Sears, uh, Taylor Cooper, and guys like that, they have put Denver Jones on them. The fact that Connect's a little bigger and, you know, plays plays that three position. I do wonder if Auburn is going to just say, hey, a guy like Chad Baker-Mazar or, you know, potentially somebody like uh, like Chris Moore off the bench, like just kind of play 3v3 there and, 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 you know, line it up that way. Or if they try to move it around a little bit and put a guy like Denver Jones, who I think has probably been their best on-ball defender this season, kind of on him. But I, I would imagine Auburn is going to kind of throw a lot of things out there at Tennessee, this Tennessee team. Good on the inside, good on the outside. They've got a great backcourt. They've got a really good frontcourt. Connects a guy that, you know, is Bruce said it yesterday, he's going to get his. You're just going to want to make sure he doesn't get it super easily, right? And, and you know, there are other weapons Auburn has to worry about. So, you know, maybe you can see some zone. They ran a good amount of zone against Georgia on Saturday, and it worked quite well. Um, and they were able to, to accomplish a lot of that. You know, they, they, 
this is not a team that runs a ton of zone, but you've seen them do it a little bit more towards the end of the year. I think that's kind of a tweak and something. Just throw something out there that other teams haven't seen on film quite as much. Wouldn't be surprised if Auburn did something like that with uh, with Tennessee just because of the variety of weapons that they have. You would love just to say, hey, slow down, connect, and the rest will follow. But the problem is it's Santiago Vescovi. It's Zakai Ziegler. It's Josiah Jordan-James. It's Giannis Aydu. Like it, It's a lot of really, really good players. Uh, you know, on this team. So, I mean, it's going to have to be a really good team defensive game uh, outside of just what you want to do to make sure that Dalton Connect doesn't, you know, you're up 30 on your head. Like, he has has done some really good teams this year. And, Ferg, we finally saw the first truly really good game of Aiden Holloway in conference play this year on Saturday against Georgia, hitting five threes. What does Aiden need to do against a very experienced Tennessee team tonight to be able to try to parlay that into some momentum and just more good basketball, more good performance? Yeah, I mean, I think it's easy to look at a guy like Aiden Holloway and say shooting. You know, like you watch him and just you look at his shooting numbers and you, and you see, okay, did he have a good game or a bad game based on how he shot? And that's easy to do. I, but honestly, in a game like this, like you definitely need to look at what he does outside of shooting it, and that is assists and turnovers. That is huge. That has been so critical to Auburn's wins and losses this year. Tennessee's going to get in his grill and Trey Donaldson as well in this game. Zakai Ziegler is one of the best defensive guards in college basketball and has been for years now. Santiago Vescovi is really good on the defensive end. They are going to get up in their grill. They're going to pressure. They're going to do a lot of stuff to try to try to throw those guys off balance. And so, yes, it would be great if Aiden Holloway comes out here and hits multiple threes again and continues kind of that that what he started against Georgia. That would be awesome. But in this game specifically, what's more important is if he takes care of the ball, if he handles the pressure that Tennessee is going to throw at him, and he helps run this offense smoothly. When you when Auburn's lost this year. A lot of times the assist turnover ratio has not been great. Um, and so for a guy like Aiden Holloway, you definitely want him to hit shots. There's no doubt about that. And Auburn, Auburn's a much better team when he is hitting shots. But in this matchup with the guards that, that Tennessee has, you got to really, really look at you know how he handles himself as a playmaker because that's first and foremost what you're going to have to have to win this one. And then looking at the matchup of the bigs, Jonas Adu going up against Janai Broom, uh, both of these guys being defensive anchors for their team. Uh, what do you think that Janai has to do to win his matchup against Adu? Yeah, Adu's a great player, and I, I think Adu's got a, got a lot of Jalen Williams in him this year for this Tennessee team. And what I mean by that is when Tennessee plays well, Adu's usually playing well. And when he struggled, Tennessee's usually lost. And so he is very foundational. Like, I, everybody looks at Connect. Everybody look at those guards. But really, Adu's been a big, big factor in this game. And, you know, with the, with the fact that, you know, they've got Connect, they've got Ziggler, and they've got, uh, you, you know, they've got Muscovy, they've got all this, side Jordan James as well. You're going to have to win your matchup on defense in this one because Auburn's not going to be able to kind of, you know, double or, you know, do those things and leave guys open. They're going to want people to, you know, play really well one-on-one, especially down low. And so for Jedi, it's a, it's a matchup where you got to, you know, buckle up the chin strap this is going to be a really really big game for him um you know adu's i think he's averaging like 13 or 14 uh, per game this year he's pretty much just an inside scorer for them uh on offense now he's an awesome defender and an awesome rebounder as well um so for for him i think it, you know it's just big to, you got to hang tough down low i like jenny broom's chances to score on pretty much anybody in college basketball because he does he's, he's one of the most consistent guys in the country you know period and that's why he's been one of the best centers in and best all-around players in the country this year on a statistic, you know, looking at statistics. But yeah, I think that's the I think that's the thing for for Broom in this matchup is that you know AU's going to come right at him, 
going to try to get him in foul trouble. Going to try to try to rough him up a little bit. Um, this needs to be a really good game for Jani Broom on the interior. Be tough, physical defense. You know, do it without fouling and try to slow that down because if Auburn can have a clear advantage at the center, if he can win that matchup, you're in a much better spot to come up here and pull it off the upset. And Justin, obviously this is the game that is going to captivate our attention tonight. However, Auburn does have an opponent that they did lose to on the road uh, earlier this year, Mississippi State, coming into Neville Arena this weekend. Uh, I know the month of March will have, uh, again, three games because of the venues and the teams that are uh, far different than what we've seen most of February. But, um, again, how can Auburn improve off of what was a, a really rough offensive outing in Starkville and try to avenge a loss from earlier this year? Yeah, it just comes down to hitting shots, really. Um, you know, I think if you look at Mississippi State earlier this year, Auburn's matchup, they played pretty good defense on them. They just couldn't score. It was one of their worst offensive performances of the year. Um, it's just, can you hit shots? The ceiling for this team is super high on offense. I mean, we have seen them, I mean, they've had like, what, five, six, seven, 50-point halves here in SEC play. Like, they, they can put up numbers like very few teams in college basketball can on offense. You just got to hit shots, right? You got to hit open looks. That's going to be key for this team. That's going to you know, determine their ceiling. That defense is, is for Auburn is awesome. Um, it's going to carry them a long way. But th- how far they go and how high they climb, I guess, here in the, at the end of the regular season is going to be based on what the, if they can just knock down shots. State's got an awesome defense. State's offense, pretty limited outside of Josh Hubbard, but good grief, Josh Hubbard can, can fill it up. Uh, and, you know, I think Auburn's going to want to do a better job of maybe slowing him down. He had some big shots in that game at Starkville. Um, so, I mean, it's going to be a tough matchup, and I think that – gets back into quad one territory i believe even with uh the fact that state lost to kentucky last night and that was a really good game really competitive game um and kentucky had to come back to win that one so um you know it'll be it'll be a tough matchup for sure for auburn um it won't be easy but i think the thing for the tigers is just like hey you're at home you got to hit your shots got to hit open shots um when they do that this auburn team can beat anybody when they don't eat at home as we saw in the kentucky game they can really struggle Talking to Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer today on Sports Call. Ferg, a couple of football questions for you. I know spring practice began yesterday, uh, including the first viewing window of the of the spring. Any takeaways from that or anything in particular, the, the next viewing window that you'll be looking out for? Yeah, no, I mean, your number one takeaway, and I think everybody who was out there saw it yesterday, is that Cam Coleman's freaking gigantic and he's, you know, really good. <laughs> you know, he just looks like a different type of wide receiver that – Auburn just really hasn't had, uh, and I mean that explains the reason. He's the he's the top offensive recruit in Auburn history. He's the only one of two five star wide receivers they've ever signed. The other one was Ben Obamanu, you know, more than twenty years ago. So he's just different. And like when you watch him kind of move and get out, like the technique, you know, it, you know, and, and the finer details of being a wide receiver at this level, that's going to come plugging into the offense. He's going to have to have time to get plugged in like any other freshman. But, I mean, physically and skill-wise, he's got it already. I mean, he is—he he looked as advertised. And I'm not saying he's going to have a 1,000-yard season right off the bat for Auburn, but he looks like somebody can be an instant impact player for sure. Um, I, you know, other things I noticed, like, uh, you know, you, you you watch the young players, you watch the other newcomers. I thought Walker White saw a couple balls kind of sail on him uh, there, but he throws a great spire, a lot of zip, ball really pops out of his hand. That was my first time really watching him, you know, for an extended amount of time in person. Um, and I thought he, you know, he, I thought he threw the ball well. I'm interested to see what the quarterback position looks like, especially with those new receivers coming in. Um, you got some, you got some real pieces moving some things around on defense. Um, you know, Joe Phillips, you know, lining up at edge rusher, I think it's gonna be big. Auburn needed some depth there, so kind of moving him out there is gonna be a, be a lot. Interesting seeing more out of Amaris Williams, Javante Waller, 
some of those guys. What Kildrick Falk kind of does in this new defense will be fun to watch. Who de- who develops as as the wa- the ones who are you know take over at nickel and at safety. I think is going to be the other big storyline. So and there's a lot of question marks. And look, you're in February. You're not going to get any answers anytime soon about this about this football team. But you can start you know kind of getting closer and closer to it. Um, and and I thought you know the newcomers kind of making some. But, you know, turning some heads early and just also kind of shuffling around who's playing where in these new schemes under these new staff members, I think is, it was the interesting thing to me. And, and Ferg, I would also want to know from you, again, with uh, so much defensive turnover, obviously with staff, but as we know, the guys that are leaving this uh, defense, half of them are going to the NFL Combine this week. Uh, and so Auburn brought in a lot of those those transfers, uh, guys like Gage Keys and Trill Carter and Jaron Thompson, those sort of guys, Doran Mossy. Uh, how intrigued are you in, in that group of guys versus the, the, the freshmen that are coming in and just yeah. how important some of those guys will be? Yeah, I mean, those guys better get ready to go right away for sure. And, again, it's spring ball. You know, we, we're, the rubber doesn't have to really meet the road for another few months. But, yeah, Trill Carter, Gage Keys, those guys, like, I'm really interested. All of these dudes to step up a defensive line, especially on the interior. Um, you know, it, it's great to have talented freshmen. And there's some other guys. You know, I look at the DJ Reed. You know, I look at Bobby Jamison Travis and guys like that and think, like, okay, there might be some progress there. But they – they needed those. They needed those defensive linemen to come in as transfers because they just they need that 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 production. No more Marcus Harris. You know, no more uh, Justin Rogers. No more Masada Silakite. Even though you only had just a few games from him last year, like you got to have dudes to step up on the defensive line. And so, really, really intrigued by that crew because those those transfers are going to have to step up. And I honestly don't think Auburn's going to be anywhere near done. You know, that second window. I'm, I'm sure they'd like to address the defensive front a little bit more. And, yeah, you mentioned Jaron Thompson there. Jaron Thompson makes a ton of sense for me as a guy that once he gets plugged into this system and this scheme, he looks like a dude who could be a day-one starter just because he's played a whole lot of football for a really good Texas program. Uh, and, uh, you know, he, he, he seems to be a guy that you've got a lot of youth at safety and a lot of inexperience. And even though Thompson's new to Auburn, it's you know definitely the, the type of player you want to have back there who's done it before at a high level and can kind of – be a stabilizing force for a secondary that's that's got a lot of overturn, you know, a lot of turnover, I should say, um, you know, so far here in uh, in this 2024 offseason. So, um, yeah, I mean, that, that, that group of transfers, you mentioned uh, the last one you mentioned there was Mousy. I'm interested to see where they kind of fit him in the role. I mean, you have Asante back. You have, um, you know, uh, Austin Keys back. You do return, uh, or I'm sorry, you do add – you know, uh, Demarcus Riddick and guys like that who, you know, you feel uh, DJ Barber. So you've got a really deep and, and experienced uh, and, and talented, I think, inside linebacker room. So why did they get Mousy? Why did they feel like it was a need for them to, to get him? I'm interested to see what his role is because, again, he's another dude that's played a lot of football. So um, that is an interesting crew on that, on that defensive side of the ball for sure. He's Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer joining us today on Sports Call. Ferg, as always, we appreciate the time. What can our listeners find on the Observer here in the coming days and weeks? Yeah, you can check out the preview I wrote uh, this morning for uh, Auburn, Tennessee tonight. Uh, you can check that out at the Observer. Uh, I did uh, observations from football practice yesterday. Um, those are up on the site as well, uh, along with uh, I did a film room on the double center lineup with uh, Janai Broom and, and Dylan Carwell earlier this week. And then uh, later this week, uh, you know, I'll be at the game tonight. Tomorrow morning, you'll get all the breakdown from here in Nashville. Or, I'm sorry, Knoxville, uh, not Nashville. Yeah, that's the two weeks. Um, and then, uh, you know, I'll be back. I'll try to make it back for uh, football interviews tomorrow. Uh, we'll push the mailbag back out to Saturday this week with the Mississippi State game coming up. But 
Got a lot of basketball, a lot of football coming your way. AuburnObserver.com, sign up there. He is Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer today on Sports Call. Again, Ferg, as always, we certainly appreciate the time. I uh, wish you well in all of your travels, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. I appreciate you guys. That is Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer today on Sports Call. One final timeout. Back to wrap up our number one of Sports Call right after this. to call into the show send us your thoughts via email you've got mail sports call at the tiger.fm now back to the multi-time abby award-winning sports call Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry, and Tom Peavy with you hey. here on this Wednesday. Tom, how are you today? I'm doing great. Uh, sorry I was a little late getting here, but had a doctor's appointment. But I'm here and raring to go. Been yeah. listening to some of the show. Absolutely. So we're glad you're here on this Wednesday afternoon. We've got a couple minutes left here in the first hour. Our thanks to Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer for joining us. Let's head back to the orthopedic clinic phone line to round out our number one, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Up next, Matt from Tallahassee. Matt is with us. Matt, how are you today? Hi, hey guys. Hey, Cam. Hey, what's going on, Matt? Nothing much. Hey, I heard what Jane was saying about Snapchat, Twitter, and I forgot what else she said. But, James, if you're listening, I can't get on Twitter. I can't get on Snapchat. But if you have questions about me swimming, here's my here's my schedule on swimming. I got a swimming up coming April 13th. I got a state May 17th through 19th. That's my That's my schedule for swimming. And my swim meets. But I cannot get on Snapchat, Twitter, or whatever the third thing said. None of the social medias. We got you. And so, so. But um, the question is I got for all you guys. First, I'll start with um, oh, one of you, you guys can answer at different times. But um, the question for all three of you guys is if old. I got Ole Miss. Is, is Ole Miss favored to win tonight against Bama? Uh, they are not. I'll have to check what the exact one is. But even at home, they they are they are definitely not. They are uh, five and a half point underdogs. Okay. Well, I got I got Ole Miss being Bama because I always me and my mom dad we always go for her as playing at Bama. I got Ole Miss winning seventy six to fifty to forty five. All right, and so, and but I want the question I'm trying to ask you guys: If Ole Miss beat Alabama, that means, and we beat and we beat Tennessee, that could 
make us tie with that probably put Auburn in first place, right? Uh, I, I think when eventually it sorts out, yes, for the moment it would tie uh, Auburn and Tennessee and Alabama and, and I think even South Carolina uh, would all be tied at four losses if that were to happen tonight. Okay, but Auburn's right now they won against Georgia, so they're not they're not they're still not in four, right? Uh, so they're uh, they're in league play. They're ten and four, I believe. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So if Auburn wins tonight, they go 11, 11 and four. Yes. Okay. So what are you, so and um, what are are your? I'll start with Cam, and then I'll start with Tom, and then Ryan. I'll start, and then I'll have to go to you last. Um, Cam and Tom, what do you guys think about? Um, Holloway, I mean, like number one for Auburn and Trey Dawson of not doing any turnovers. And how do you think we can probably beat Tennessee tonight without Williams? If he plays, Williams plays, it doesn't play. Yeah, I think it'll be a uh, interesting matchup, and I I, th- I think defense or excuse me, offensively, they're going to have to try and not turn the ball over. Obviously, it starts with the guards and and uh, their their discipline, which they've been pretty good overall. Uh, you know, they, they did struggle a little bit in the couple games before Georgia, but uh, I I think that they they'll be fine. It'll be tough in Thompson Bowling Arena against Tennessee. Uh, obviously, it's always tough to play there, um, but without Jalen Williams. Uh, or maybe he will play. I don't know. You're right. There, there, there's a chance that he might get a few minutes, uh-huh. but not heavily. Not, not too, not too many minutes. So you still got to operate like you're not going to have him, and uh, you got to just be able to stay disciplined and uh, stay in front of your man because they got a lot of very capable scores uh, and stay out of foul trouble. And that's how you but win we, the game. But we need have more. They, they need to have more turnovers than we that we don't need to turn the ball over. We need to make right. sense. Oliver, right? Yes. But we still can probably win if Liam doesn't not play or if he does play. Yeah, I mean, there's a chance that, uh, that Auburn can definitely win even if Jalen Williams doesn't play. It'll, it'll take a lot more uh, from a little bit like everybody else, kind of like the Georgia game, uh, and, and it'll be a much tougher matchup because Tennessee is a better team, but they definitely they definitely have a chance to win this game. One more minute with us, Matt, and then we got to take our break. Um. And, and Tom, what do you think? And and, and, and Ryan, don't forget to uh, tell tell Cam the score I told you about the Auburn women when they played Texas A&M and see if Cam or Christian was going to score. Uh, yeah. So Cam, uh, Matt's thought was that Auburn's men's team will win and put the same score that the Auburn women's team won uh, this past weekend with. Oh, interesting. Uh, I do not know the final score of that game. That would be an interesting. That would be wild if you could call that, Matt. Well, well I'm glad you asked because the the score was 57 to 41. Auburn. Oh no, I think that'll be a bit higher scoring of a game than that. Though last year, I will say last year that that I I, I might have given that to you, Matt. But uh, the teams are a little bit better offensively. Both teams are a little bit better offensively this season, so I think they'll be able to do it. Cam, you think Auburn scored 97 points against Tennessee? I don't think they'll score that many points. I think they'll probably score in the 70s, maybe maybe, maybe the low 80s, but I, I think maybe closer to the 70s. Tom, what do you think about You think no turnovers tonight? Yeah, Tom just had to step out. He got called real quickly. But we are out of time this hour, Matt, so we're going to have to wrap this right, up. Mario, guys, and I'll, and I'll do the cheer real quick. Ready? Uh, we don't have to, Matt, we do not have time. I'm sorry, man. We will do the cheer the next time you call, okay? 
Warrior, All right, War Eagle. That is Matt from Tallahassee, Matt for Auburn, joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. We are past time for our end-of-hour break right here, so we'll go ahead and take that. On the other side of hour number two, we will have more of your phone calls on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. We'll also have more in Auburn and Tennessee, more of a look around the SEC, a little bit about spring practice, and much, much more. You're listening to the Wednesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Second hour of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan LaVoy. Tom Peavy, Cam Berry joining me on this Wednesday afternoon. T.P. Hammock is running the board and taking your phone calls. Uh, fun first hour, a full first hour of calls. And Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer broke down Auburn, Tennessee a little bit. We will continue to do that in the coming segments of the show. But for now, we head back to our orthopedic clinic phone line, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Up next this afternoon, Ward Dam Steve. Retire Ward Dam Steve is with us. Steve, how are you today? Hey, doing good, gentlemen. At least for now, anyway. We'll find out later on this evening, I guess. Yes, sir. It's going to be a, going to be a tough one. Yeah. Um, good afternoon to uh, the Cam. You're there, right? Yes, Cam's here. Yes, sir. Okay. And Tom? I'm here. Okay. Um, so uh, you will be working tonight, uh, Tom? Uh, no, I'm off tonight. You're off tonight. Okay. All right. All right. Well, uh, let's get to it, guys. I uh, enjoyed uh, listening to some of the comments and analysis uh, from uh, Mr. Justin Ferguson. He's always knowledgeable. I've been looking at all the computer models, and I say, you know, let's just call it a night, you know, and get to see the game, right? Yeah, I mean it's time to time to just absolutely not play anything for any reason and just ignore <laughs> take paper as gospel and <laughs> and go for it. Yes, it's going to be tough for Auburn, but no, I mean there's still still a healthy chance. Um, there was something I want to get your thoughts on. That my uh, son and I were talking. He 
played high school basketball and he watched it religiously. He knows more players than I'll even, even remember to remember. And he brought up this uh, to my attention. He said, Dad, I love Pearl. I love, you know, our team that he's coached. Yet he says, what troubles me about Coach Pearl is he's had this pattern and trend throughout his uh, coaching, especially with uh, Auburn, uh, that he tends to really struggle and not do very well uh, in February and March. Uh, God, is that how factual is that? Uh, do you have any thoughts on that? Um, I, I don't have any numbers to support or deny it off the top of my head. I would tell you that. I think you've had instances of both. I think you've had – I don't want people – so it's easy to remember the team that won an SEC regular title, and it's easy to remember the team that got red hot in March, won the tournament title, made the Final Four. I don't want people to forget about the 2020 team with Samir Dowdy and Javon McCormick that was starting to get red hot in March that then did not – or February, March, and then did not get to play, as anyone did not, uh, in that 2020 NCAA tournament that was canceled, and, and even the SEC tournament. So um, when I've thought about it, I don't really see any trend there. I mean, I'm, I'm going to break some news that you, you play conference games as opposed to non-conference games. You're going to pick up more losses late in the season than early in the season. But I have not found Auburn to run out of gas or be especially below average at the end of the year. Yeah, I, I think I, I think you could probably make a better argument for the contrary. Okay, all right. Uh, fair enough. And then he also brought to my attention that uh, although Auburn – uh, when they've won this season, it's been by double digits. They've not been able uh, to do that against uh, what he'd say quality teams. And uh, obviously, he, he says, you know, Alabama's done a better job than so has Tennessee, especially on the road. And I looked at that record. I, I guess he's uh, pretty, I guess, correct and factual on that, right? Uh, talking about road games, I mean, yeah, I think Tennessee. I mean, I think Tennessee's a little better team than Auburn, so I think they're going to be a little bit better in, in a lot of circumstances. Uh, I think when you note Tennessee went to Kentucky and put 103 on the board, uh, you know that was a pretty good result. I know they did lose to Texas A&M earlier this month pretty easily on the road, and I think they had one other road loss at, at some point, maybe early in conference. But yeah, to Mississippi State, I mean, look, that was a pretty comparable loss to Auburn. They lost by five of that one. Auburn lost by I think six. Uh, so I think Tennessee has been marginally better, but again, I don't think that 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 is indicative of Auburn being especially poor at something more than it is i just think it's something where tennessee's just a little better team not night and day but just a little better and so the little better team might look uh look a little brighter in certain certain ways but i don't think auburn has uh with how they've had a couple of impressive road performances honestly as a late uh, florida game notwithstanding i think that they have really not done anything worse than a lot of these other teams in college basketball that are ranked around them and about the players that we're going to have to contend against. Uh, son, I'm, I'm going to leave it to him again. He says it would be a mistake, he thinks, for us to uh, focus exclusively or double-team uh, connect. Cause he says that only gives uh, them three opportunities to the other uh, quality players on Tennessee. You guys agree with that? Yeah, I mean, I, I double-teaming is, is really for either – post players that you just have no chance to stop in one-on-one or teams that have no other offensive threats. And Dalton Connect and Tennessee do not qualify, in my opinion, under either one of those because uh, they have guards that if they needed to have a bigger volume, we were talking about this in the open about Vescovy and Ziegler, if they needed to be more primary options, uh, they could be. They were on last year's team. And last year's team was still really good. It made the Sweet 16. 
Uh, and then I, I think also with Connect, I mean, him being a wing and being more of a guard, uh, it's harder to find a way to uh, to stop that. Now, you could, if you wanted to be creative defensively, you could consider a box and one. Uh, if you thought that they were not a great shooting team or or want to confuse them and slow them up, you put your best defensive player locked on to Dalton Connect, and then you play the other four in a zone. Uh, but I, I don't think double teams will be the right answer now. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so my main concern tonight is that, you know, if we're not hitting those three-point shots, then I hope they, you know, put a stop to it. Otherwise, it just means Tennessee gets an immediate rebound and goes down the other way and scores, and then it gets out of hand, right? Yeah, and look, I, that's the tough thing. I mean, Auburn has uh, clearly been benefiting road performance-wise when they hit a ton of threes. We, there are other things they do well, obviously, but against Ole Miss and against Georgia this past weekend, what really stood out is they were very prolific uh, from the outside and offensively as a whole, but specifically outside. So I think that measuring if they do start the game cold – measuring what kinds of threes and what kind of shots to take from then on is going to be important. Now, it doesn't mean you can just pound Tennessee at will. Again, I think they're still a really quality defensive team. They're still top 40, top 50 in the country in a lot of those metrics. So, uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with their defense. It's just not uh, not as elite as it was last year. But like I said, that, that's that been made up for by the fact that they are a far better offensive team. They're 150 spots better offensively this year so for Auburn I mean they're gonna have to score a little bit they're gonna have to defend hard uh yes if they start one of seven from three or something like that they do need to be more selective but when Auburn's at its best and I know a lot of teams are this way but because Auburn does shoot a good number of threes this is a little more true for them when Auburn's at its best it hits a lot of threes and 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 if you don't have Jalen Williams that is a very valid and very important two-point threat that you won't have and so uh when you think about how Chad Baker Mazar makes his hay a lot of times it is jump shots are not necessarily always threes but they are jump shots Chaney Johnson uh, is a two-point guy he's struggled from three this year but uh, again if they don't have Williams then they will miss his two-point prowess if, if they do go cold from three fast-paced or slow-paced is our advantage tonight uh, to to Auburn's advantage, ooh, uh, again, Tennessee, I would have said for every, any other year, I would have said the faster the better for Auburn. Tennessee would like to get their defense set. They're not going to necessarily kill you in transition. That's not how they want to play. But this year they've been far more willing to break out of that mold. They've been pretty balanced. If you need to uh, have a lower scoring game, they can accomplish that. But they've scored, like I said, 100 on Kentucky. I think they scored 90 or something on North Carolina earlier this year. Uh, they've been scoring in the 80s and 90s a lot recently in conference play. Uh, maybe Auburn would like to muck it up a little bit more. Maybe Auburn would feel, especially if they're not shooting the three. I mean, Auburn's not scored 90 points if they're not shooting the three well. Uh, Auburn might be better served to think about it a little bit slower of a game. Okay. And the line, guys, has uh, got me a little bit uh, com- confused. I, I've always assumed maybe that when I go to VegasInsider.com, they are the official uh, consensus Vegas line. Then I went to ESPN, and they have a different line. Vegas has six and a half. And I, ESPN's it, line is seven and a half. Who's the legitimate correct one? Well, I saw that uh, the ESPN line was six and a half last night. Um, so I guess seven and a half now. Yeah, yeah. I guess that at some point they, they adjusted it by a point. I mean, I, I I don't know which one you would deem more official. I think that they're both valid. I think they're both in the range that 
I would have anticipated this to be. I think that it's probably not a line that should be uh, a pick em, but also not a, a double-digit blowout type of thing. So, I, I, I mean, you could go either way with it. I'm really uh, surprised that the betting public uh, is 70-30 uh, betting Auburn. But you got surprised by that? I was. Yeah, a little surprised because again, I mean, this still is a road game, and this still is a, a really good Tennessee team. And uh, now, look, Tennessee does have another huge game this weekend against Alabama, so it's, a, it's just a huge weekend for them overall. But uh, you know, maybe maybe the early returns, just uh, Auburn playing so well at Georgia, maybe a little less worried about it being on the road. But but still, I think that uh, it, it's. Uh, it's been pretty common, uh, as we know, for uh, home teams to have a, a, a noticeable advantage. So I think because it's a big game, Auburn can hang around. But I, to to be people have have a lot of people very sure that it would be you know two, three, four point type of game. You know that that is a little interesting. Yeah, and uh, Tom, I think about you um, about tonight's game that you know you mentioned when Auburn, at least this season, does really good is really hot. Uh, scoring, then the following game they go and, and they go missing, right? Yeah, I mean that that's that's happened a few times where yeah they'll follow up a really good hot shooting game with a terrible game. So hoping they'll uh, not equal that today. You you definitely need them shooting very very well in Thompson Bowling to at least just stay in this game. I, I mean this is one of those Tennessee could run away with this one if Auburn is not on top of things, or if the refs are. Uh, really, really ticky tacky. Well, yeah, I mean there, there's that, but I mean Auburn's still got to score. I, I mean that the the well, refs are the, the refs are one thing, but Auburn's got to shoot the ball well. Uh, I mean that's just plain and simple. They've got to be able to shoot the ball well. Well, we can't be shooting if we've got people in foul trouble, three fouls, you know, like Jalen, well, uh, Janiah Broom say, and then. Chad Bigmasar with three fouls and the second half hasn't started yet. Well, we're in deep, you know, doo doo. Um, so, anyway, your thoughts, real quickly, guys, on this comment by Philip Marshall. Tonight's announcement on who they're going to be, I would probably, uh, I'd be amazed if they don't bring up Bruce Pearl's show calls because they tend to do that quite often. And what uh, Philip Marshall said today, he says, Why do we hear so much about Bruce Pearl's show calls order for lying about a barbecue? And we never hear, he says, about Kevin, Kelvin Sampson's five-year show cause, a much more serious violations. The fact that Dallas Calipari teams and UMass and Memphis had to vacate postseason accomplishments. Uh, guys here, why is that? I, I mean, I don't remember the last time, honestly, uh, uh, that the, the Bruce, Curl, uh, Bruce Pearl barbecue was brought up. Do you guys remember off the top of your head? Last Not, time it was not off up? the top of my head, no. I mean... <laughs> It's him playing, you know, it's against Tennessee, though. I wouldn't be surprised if it does get mentioned. I mean, it's just, I mean, Bruce I, spent a lot of his career there. That's I, where I, he made a lot of his name. I mean, that's just kind of. Right. But I, they'll, they'll more mention the fact that he used to coach there. I, right. I don't know if the whole barbecue thing is. I don't know if the whole thing will get brought up, but uh, it will get mentioned that he used to coach there. It always does. The announcers are Tom Hart and Jimmy Dykes tonight, which has been one of the. Better. Top top yeah, crews yeah. there announcing wise. Okay, if anything, if anything, if they brought it up, I bet you will somehow turn into. I wonder what kind of barbecue they had. I want Literally. some of that. It'll, it would it would not be. I would Negatively be very. I would be very surprised if it was in depth and a bunch of negative stuff. Okay, real quickly, guys. Uh, did you ever see some of the last minute uh, yeah, shots made by some people, uh, like the 
less than one second shot made by Kentucky to beat uh, LSU. Uh, to beat Mississippi State, yeah. State, yeah. Reed Shepard, yeah. Uh, after yeah. Mississippi State had hit a very tough deep three right. to tie it, yeah. Yep. That was an epic oh, that finish. Was incredible. I, I, what, I, what I think was what I think was funny with that is that Mississippi State was so confident uh, that they had actually put on their scoreboard uh, alerting the fans to please don't storm the court. And how how would they have done that at tie the game? I, I was saying early on they had it up uh, on the oh, scoreboard. Ta- oh, you're talking about early in the second half when they were yeah, leading. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. I thought you meant after the shot. I'm like, well, that's no, not oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> when, when it looked like they might be actually winning that game. Yeah. What about the brawl and the mayhem that occurred in the Texas Texas Tech game last night? People throwing bottles uh, onto the floor because they didn't like uh, the, the I guess technical fouls were called and it, it went it went crazy. Did y'all see that? Yeah, can't be can't be throwing stuff on the court. Uh, I know there was a brawl. I know uh, no love lost between <laughs> Texas and Texas Tech. Uh, I, I didn't see it live. I saw some of the uh, some of the videos of it after the fact and. Um, a lot of frustration there, too, as Texas was winning that game pretty easily. Yeah. And what about the 59-foot? Max Struess. Is that, is that who, yep. did, who did it? Cavs. I video. Yep. Cavaliers that, that game. That was incredible. Incredible. That, and uh, well, I thought it was a, a made history, but it didn't. His was only the second longest. Who was the, the, the longest, guys? I don't know off the top of my head who the longest was. I heard um, that stat that was um, second. I think it was um... – Oh my gosh! Of course, his name slips my mind. New what? Orleans Pelicans uh, going up against the Thunder, and uh, I cannot. Ju- uh, Devonte Graham. Devonte Graham. I think so. I think well, that's the longest one. I think his was. Uh, it was. It was pretty far. I think that's. I think that's it because they were talking about this just just earlier today. But I. 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 I think his was like almost the length of the court, maybe like three fourths of the way. Oh my gosh! I have to research that then. Sixty-one, okay. right, 61 feet. Uh, yeah, 61, yeah, it was sixty-one feet. feet Devonte Graham. I was right. Yep. Yeah, Devonte wow. Graham. That's, that's amazing. Um, you guys, uh, how do you feel about? Do we either win by double digits or do we get blown out? Yeah. Uh, again, I, I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna go with uh, a single digit game. I know it's been very rare, um, but I'm gonna go with a single digit loss. See, I don't, I don't know okay. what you consider a blowout. You know, I, I could, points or more. I don't think it's going to be that. I, I could, I, I think honestly, I think if Auburn wins this game, it's not a double digit win by Auburn. But my gut tells me that Tennessee is probably going to win this one by like twelve. Okay, now blowout then. Yeah, not a blowout, but I mean a double digit win. Like I said, it depends on the twelve. Auburn beat A and M by eleven, but they were sweating bullets with three minutes right. left. And sometimes yeah, you right. lose by twelve, but you were down twenty five midway through the second half, like LSU was. So I mean, you can you can have it either way. Okay, and kudos on the baseball team last night, thirteen to three. Yeah, another uh, decisive victory against Sanford. I, I forgot exact. Uh, I forgot exactly. I think they got up eight nothing, something like that, pretty early yeah. uh, in that one, and. Uh, yeah, really, eight, eight, no, eight nothing win. after the three innings. Yes, really didn't give uh, give Sanford an opportunity there. And Auburn's been doing that; they've been able to score. I think it was twelve to three was the final. Uh, but yeah. Uh, okay. but yeah, 12-3. still still demonstrative yeah, win. But McBride yeah. looks like to be a, a good starter. Yeah, I mean, I, again, they need more starts from him for sure. But certainly, if you give five innings of one run ball, then uh, you're that's yeah. going to be solid. Yeah, five yeah five innings, just two hits, one earned run. Not bad. Five uh, strikeouts. Dylan, my time is up. I thank for your time as always. Uh, no matter what happens tonight, it's just another game. Uh, the tournament is what really counts, right? Uh, absolutely.
Okay, thank you for making me feel better. <laughs> All right. Warrior, guys. Warrior, Steve. Appreciate that phone call. That is retired Ward M. Steve joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. We are going to head to our next timeout of the show, but as we do that, I want to give you the opportunity to win four women's basketball tickets to the regular season finale at Neville Arena tomorrow night. The first caller to 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Four tickets to Auburn women's basketball as they take on Mississippi State inside of Neville Arena tomorrow night. Sports Call returns after this timeout. Sports Call crew wants to hear from you. Give us a phone call at 334-887-3401. Now back to Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger Don FM, and the Tiger Communications app. Brian LaVoy, Cam Berry, Tom Peavy with you here on this Wednesday. T.P. Hammock run the board and taking call, uh, phone calls. Uh, congratulations to our buddy Keith for winning uh, those tickets to Auburn and Mississippi State women's basketball tomorrow night in Neville Arena. Again, the final home game of the year, SEC tournament, taking off next week. And uh, Tigers on the bubble, so that's a big one against Mississippi State. Uh, tomorrow night inside of Neville Arena. Uh, appreciate the call so far today as well. Just got off the phone with retired Ward M. Steve. Again, uh, talk a little bit about Auburn basketball against Tennessee tonight. Uh, and, guys, one thing we have not discussed yet about the game, we did ask Ferg about it, was more about Jalen Williams and all the things involving his status for tonight. Uh, is questionable, is more of a game-time decision, so – that leads you to believe at the very minimum he has made progress. I believe Bruce Pearl said he did practice the other day. So, again, go through uh, what you would like to see in terms of him playing tonight. Uh, if, if or uh, yes or no, if he does play, how much you want to see him. Uh, and just again, if he's not playing, who needs to step up and that that sort of line of thinking. Well, I mean, I. Uh... I mean, if he's good to go, I want to see him play all the same amount of minutes that he's been doing. That's if he's good to go. <laughs> okay, we're going to have a disagreement. Continue yeah, I think Cam's yeah. shaking his head. No, I'm just saying if he's good to go, I mean, if, if the knee is not a problem, then okay. If there's any sort of lingering anything, if he is not 100%, which I don't, I couldn't imagine he is 100%. If he's not 100%, then I limit him or even hold him out because you have to have him later on in the season. And this team has shown that they can win without him. Now, would it be nice to have him get some minutes? Absolutely. But if he's not 100%, then there's no need to risk it because he is a valuable piece to this team as you start looking towards NCAA tournament time. And the last thing you want to do is go out there and either re-aggravate something or actually tear something if there's something that's, you know, right on the edge and but you know you can make it through the season you don't want to get out there and and 
absolutely ruin it. Um, so yeah, I mean, like I said, a hundred percent, sure play, but I don't think he's a hundred percent in that case. He he's absolutely got to be limited or not even play at all. All right, we're good, Tom. You made my point. Okay, okay, <laughs> but yeah, I I don't think he's a hundred percent yet. I I just that. Just, I just don't see that how he could be 100%. Yes, he practiced, which is good, but we're talking SEC game speed against a physical, probably Tennessee team. You don't really want to risk too much, especially with it being an away game. You, it's just there's a lot of different factors that play into this game. Uh, I, I think I don't, I'm not, I'm not gonna say hold him out completely. I, I I'm kind of, I was kind of leaning towards just. Don't play him at all. Let him just continue to rest. But it would be kind of good to kind of slowly ramp him up, give him this game, then maybe the Mississippi State game, give him a little bit more. And then by senior night for the Georgia game, well, he's got Missouri, so the Missouri game, probably by the Missouri game, good to go 100, 110% by by the Georgia game but for that final game of the season. Then you're smooth sailing into the into – the, um, you know SEC tournament and then into into March Madness. So that's kind of how I feel like they'll should play it, will play it maybe. I don't know. Uh just kind of a slow ramping up because like you said Tom, they've shown that they can win without him now. Uh they everybody kind of stepped it up and and played a little bit more of a of a more solidified role. We saw some different match, some different lineups, uh some different things that were tossed out. So I I think that I'm not going to say that they'll be fine without him against Tennessee because it's a, a Tennessee's really good, but you can live with say a like a close loss, you know, like you said, like you were predicting, Ryan, like you think, and saying, well, we didn't have Jalen, close loss, okay, you know, we we can live with that um, because we would rather have Jalen healthy, potentially maybe face Tennessee again. Say if you make it back to the SEC championship, if you if if Tennessee also makes it back to the SEC championship, well, then you have Jalen in in Nashville, which. I would say neutral, but it'll probably be 50-50 Auburn and and, and, uh, Tennessee, you know, Uh, so it'll be uh, interesting. But then I think that's kind of what you take from it. It's like, well, we lost a close game, but we didn't have Jalen and he wasn't at even 100 percent or whatever he was at. Well, let's see what a Jalen at 100 percent with everybody else playing the way that they have shown the potential to be able to play uh, and, and and go from there. So I, I don't think that they'll I don't think he'll go to his normal minutes at all tonight. Not even I don't even think he'll go close to that. Honestly, I could probably see maybe like a, maybe like five minutes maybe 10 minutes max uh, from Jalen just to kind of get him some run, kind of get him back into the game feel, especially against such a physical team like Tennessee. I think that would just kind of, you know, just kind of knock off all the rust because Tennessee will knock it off for you and uh, and give him plenty of opportunity to to uh, just get a little bit more comfortable. So, yeah, I, I, I think uh, it'll be interesting. I think you just kind of got to see how Jalen adjusts. I don't expect him to take a whole lot of shots, uh, but I, I just expect him to kind of get back a feel for the game hasn't been too too long but again you're sitting out games you don't want him to to just immediately feel like he has to be just what he was for the team for most of the season you want him to kind of be 
you know, just kind of getting back into the feel of things. Let somebody else handle the load. Let Janai handle the load. Let Chad Baker handle the load. Let some of these guards kind of do what they do. And if you're Jalen, just kind of sit back, let the game come to you and uh, and go from there and take it by a game-by-game basis. Don't feel like you have to rush back because it doesn't seem like you need to be rushed back. So just kind of take it a game at a time and, and let yourself get to 100% because, like Tom said, he's going to be needed come tournament time. He's He is a crucial piece of this team. But he could enhance what this team could be as it is right now, and, and I think that that's kind of what they're going to look for. And, and look, too, I mean, as you talked about, uh, this is more of an upside game for Auburn than it is a downside because uh, they're not going to be nationally relegated no. uh, by losing to Tennessee, who's a top-five team, and having to play them on the road. Um it depends on your point of view of how badly you want uh, the SEC regular season title to a degree. Um, right. Because if you do lose this game, you are kind of out of it. Uh, but if you win it, you love your March schedule. You're very much in it. My thing, and this is why we asked Justin Ferguson this in the first hour, I wanted to know exactly what the injury was. And in college, you don't have to give as many details as you do in the professional ranks. I mean, in, you should see how detailed an NFL injury report has to be and, and how you got to report all that. But with Jalen, my question is, is it something that he could aggravate and make worse? Because if it's, if it's like a sprained ligament, so they mentioned the, does not need surgery. Well, I wouldn't thought you'd needed surgery on a bone bruise. So, to me, that sounds like we're dealing with some sort of stretched ligament, right? Some sort of sprained ligament. Potentially. This is pure speculation. I was sitting right there, man. I saw it. I was literally on that side of the Uh sideline on the floor right there. And it looked like his ankle just, I mean, everything just like twisted when he landed. He just landed so awkward. Sure. And it looked like he was holding the back of his leg. And so, I I mean, I do agree that it's probably somewhere in the knee area. And I do think it's like a ligament type of thing. Um, But it, it looked weird it, it looked like something where it could it kind of looked like a freak thing where if he landed like that again it'd be really bad right but it's not very likely that he lands like that again hopefully not well yeah but but my, my point is if that is ligament and even though it's not significantly damaged even though it's something that we're talking a week and a half later two weeks later about being able to come back my point is that is something you can absolutely make way way worse 100 percent. okay you can make it season ending just like that but if it's a bone bruise then you would say okay well you're just gonna get it more bruised i mean it's not there's not a huge downside there yeah um and so <laughs> bone bruises hurt dude. I, i'm not minimized so, they don't hurt but i'm just saying i bruised my hip one time i was on crutches <laughs> i kid you not okay well okay maybe you can get that significantly worse too but not to the tune of a six-month injury okay Okay, so what I would tell you is this. If you were more of the bone bruise, uh, if that's what it was, I would give you a, 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 a greener light to go at 90 or 95%. If you are not 100%, though, and we're talking a ligament, I wouldn't touch it yet. I mean, as important this game is for the regular season, it is still just that is the regular season. And uh, you want Jalen Williams available to finish out your postseason play. And especially if you're only a week or so away, you've got the time. As you said, Cam, there's still a few more regular season games after this. You're able to get him back in the regular season, get him ready for the SEC and NCAA tournament. Then I feel like you've, you've got to take that approach. And Look, you've also got to have confidence in how your guys played in Athens. I understand Tennessee is a completely different animal. But when you look at it, 
you had the guys that needed to step up do just that. Chaney Johnson played one of his best games as an Auburn Tiger. Uh, if not his best, you had Chad Baker Mazzara do the same. Uh, really, no one had a bad game of guys that you asked to do um, do more stuff with. You had, uh, for the first time, the two-center lineup. You did a lot of really good things in there. So um, you still value Jalen Williams tremendously. You need him healthy. But if he's at 90%, it's something you can aggravate, something you can get worse then it's probably not worth it, even though that you would love to have uh, the chance to win the regular season title again. And uh, that's something that I do value a, a lot. Um, I'd be curious to see your guys' thoughts, uh, not just because of this situation. Do you guys, and okay, we're not talking NCAA tournament, do you guys value winning the regular season title more or the conference tournament? Conference tournament. Conference more. tournament? Yeah. Conference tournament. Yeah. yeah, I, I mean the regular season title is nice because it's just a, it's a, it's a, an ode to what you've done throughout the season, and obviously that will play parts in how the the regular or how how you're seated and in the in the tournament, how you're seated in the in the uh, in the uh, SEC tournament as well, the conference tournament as well, but winning the conference tournament that 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 trophy actually gets you i feel like a little bit more see my thing is is i feel like they have not rewarded play in the conference tournament recent years we've Sometimes seen bubble right. teams I, not make I, moves i, I could agree uh, we saw auburn when they did win the sec tournament not really move up a seed line again at the time let's not forget at the time we were all very irritable that Auburn was a four seed after winning the SEC tournament and that they were going to be matched up with a route of Kansas, North Carolina, and Kentucky to try to make the Final Four. And, of course, Auburn then ran through unbelievably beat them all and said, what, Blue Bloods? Uh, But at the time, it was a little irritating to have the hot finish you had and not move up a seed line into the three line. And then there's been other instances of teams on the bubble that have won two or three games in a conference tournament and not gotten any credit from it. So I almost feel like they, the tournament committee stops paying much attention to it unless you're one of those small conferences that you got to have the automatic qualifier sort of thing. So uh, my contrarian opinion here is I have actually valued uh, the regular season title more in college basketball. Now, obviously, if we were talking another sport like football, then, you, yeah, of course, the conference title game is way better than just beating your division or, or whatever. But in basketball, being able to win the season-long race. And also, here, here's my worrisome part of me. If you win that tournament and you've had a bunch of good ones in a row – you're bound to have a clunker uncomfortably <laughs> soon in the NCAA tournament, That's which fair. is the bigger prize. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I, I think more people agree with you guys. I think more people do prefer the, the, the conference tournament. But to be able to be better than everyone else for an 18 or 20 game period of time, I have typically valued more. I'm not saying, you know, I'm not crazy about it to the point where, yeah, Jalen's got to go tonight. Like, right, I don't right. care. You suit up. It's not the NCAA tournament. But. I do think that there is is tremendous value. And I think the committee, unfortunately, I think the conference tournament should matter a lot. I've said – I remember saying last year, Cam, we were talking about this very thing, how much should they matter. Right. And I said, what better way to simulate the NCAA tournament than to have a neutral site conference tournament against all these tournament-bound teams? That seems like that should matter on the resume a lot. Right, right. And it seems like it doesn't most times. So – 
that is why I have preferred the regular season championship to, to be able to to be the best over a long period of time. But obviously, we know in this sport, it's about getting hot at the right time and winning that big old tournament at the end. So right. maybe you say, hey, you simulate it with the smaller conference tournament, and it bodes better for you. Yo, and, and you know what? You're really right as well. I, I actually agree with the points that you made because you're right. In the recent years, they really haven't put a, a lot of value and stock into that uh, tournament championship because it kind of seems like it's almost playing into the I, I think the the committee and 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 uh, you know the decision makers when it comes to seed lining and all that stuff they don't like riding the hot hand because that's kind of sometimes how it tends yeah. to go with the with the tournament is sometimes it'll be the hot hand like uh, I think it was two years ago it was Texas A&M yes. They, yes. they had the hot hand and everybody felt like Texas A&M even though Texas A&M got to the championship, and I think they lost, I think it was to Tennessee two years ago. And then, you know, everybody felt as though they should have made the tournament, and they didn't. And, you know, it, it, was, it was like, well, they just they just made it to the SEC championship tournament, tournament championship. You know, don't you think that they should da 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 and, and they were, I think they were just like just outside of it. So they didn't get in. Uh, and, and I think they were like a seven seed in the, in the tournament or whatever. So I, I think, I think you're right. They just try not to, to ride the hot hand. Obviously, if, if Texas A&M had won, they would have, um, you know, they, they would have gotten the automatic bid. So they would have been in and they were probably, they were playing for the tournament live. So that's interesting. But yeah, I, I think, I think you're right, Ryan. They don't like to ride the hot hand. I do still think they need to put some type of, uh, a little bit more importance on it. You know, I feel like if say like a, say like a, I don't know, just a lower seed, you know, SEC team or different, you know, conference team, maybe not as strong conference team can prove that they can make a case into the, you know, and push their way into a conference championship tournament championship that maybe they should get a little bit more consideration for the NCAA tournament. Maybe if they were just on the outside looking in somewhere along the lines of that, that maybe they can get more consideration. So it's interesting to see how, you know, how they do put weight on and off, certain things um but yeah so uh, i i i I get your point i and i do agree with it actually i think in a perfect world right like i said i think (laughs) that they do agree more with what's going on towards the end of the season and then you decipher is a team truly better or they're just hot Hot. and yeah i mean because because you do have to look at the overall resume of work right the the work that the teams have done overall throughout the entirety of the season say well yeah okay uh, you know Auburn lost first round last year, two years ago as well in the in the SEC tournament. But they were last year they were still a, a two seed, or two two years ago they were still a two seed. And then last year, you know, they weren't as strong, but they still, you know, they, they people still were almost in. down the stretch worried about being on the bubble. Right, and they ended up in the eight nine. <laughs> right, which was, which not was that close not to the bubble, even yeah. yeah, not even necessarily close to the bubble. Right, so you know, it, it certainly is interesting. So I, I do I do understand your your point for sure, I, and I think it's a good one. And one thing I do want to amend, by the way, is that uh, 2019 NCAA tournament, they were actually the five seed. They were not even the right. four. Yeah, they, they were the five, five. playing mm-hmm. four seed Kansas yep. and so on and so forth. So, again, you really couldn't prove that Auburn moved up at all after oh, winning yeah. one of the four or five major I mean, conferences. Yeah, I mean, they were pretty locked into that five seed because yeah. I think they were projected that before as well. And, yeah. and, and, I mean, even after winning, they were like, Still so five. and again, like I said, I, I again I understand their line of thinking, but I don't agree with it when you are literally literally simulating the tournament that you are seeding for right. with neutral yeah. environments and and that sort of thing. And we all know 
how much home and, and road matters. I mean, Absolutely. can you imagine an NCAA tournament where you were having to play all these games on home? Then then all of a sudden the eight, nine seeds, yeah. the nines feel very, yeah, very, very shafted very good, right. at, at that point. Right. Uh, and the and if you're in the four or five and you're the five in the in the round of thirty two, you feel very, very shafted. Very shafted. Uh, yeah. so again it, it matters a little bit less when it comes to those even seeds, but uh, still I would like to see some of it be valued a little bit more at the end of the season. We're gonna take our final timeout of our number two. Two. Still ahead, a little bit of spring practice, a little more SEC basketball, look at the conference as a whole, and the Sports Golf 5 at 5, presented by Southeastern Lane Group, coming up uh, at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. Again, final timeout, back to wrap up hour number two right after this. Stay tuned. You're listening to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning Sports Call. This is Andy Burcham, voice of the Auburn Tigers, and you're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry, Tom Peavy with you here on this Wednesday. T.P. Hammock running the board and taking your phone calls. Got about four or five minutes left here in the second hour of the program. Again, a five at five presented by Southeastern Land Group coming up uh, at the top of the hour. We'll also get into a little bit of spring ball and uh, final thoughts on the Auburn-Tennessee matchup. Uh, But before we do any of that, to wrap up hour number two, we need to get to today's birthdays and sports. It's time for today's Birthdays in Sports. All right, Birthdays in Sports today on February the 28th. The great Mario Andretti is 84, former race car driver, one of the most successful drivers in the history of motorsports. Andretti is one of the only three drivers that have won races in Formula One, IndyCar, and the World Sports Car Championship in NASCAR. Andretti won the Formula One World Championship in 1978. Four IndyCar titles, including three under USAC sanctioning and one in CRT. He's the only driver to win the Indianapolis 500, Daytona 500, and the Formula One World Championship. Yeah. So, so the Andretti family moved to the U.S. when Mario was 15. They moved from Italy, uh, and they moved to Nazareth, Pennsylvania, and he would have attended Nazareth Area High School. Go Blue Eagles. Blue Eagles. You don't see that every day. Oh. Uh, Mario Andretti. Apparently all the Andrettis still live in uh, there in Nazareth because all the uh, sons went to the same high school. The mansion is still there. The road's called Victory Lane that leads up to the high school. It's pretty nice. cool. So Mario Andretti, 84 today. Adrian Dantley is 69, former NBA player. Dantley played college basketball at Notre Dame. Go Irish. While being selected sixth overall in the 1976 NBA draft by the Buffalo Braves. He would bounce around before having his most successful stint with the Utah Jazz. 
Dantley would end his career as a six-time All-Star, two-time All-NBA second-teamer, and led the NBA in scoring twice while having over 23,000 points in his career. His number four is retired by the Jazz, and he is a member of the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame. And he attended DeMatha Catholic in Heightsville, Maryland. Go Stags. Okay, a couple good ones so yeah. far. So Adrian Dantley, 69. Gary, it doesn't get better. Uh, it does not get better? No. That was, okay, plateaued. Yes. Gary Walker is 51, former defensive end. Walker played college football at Auburn. Or Dan Eagle. Where he was a standout player with 15 sacks in two seasons. He was selected in the fifth round of the 1995 NFL Draft by the Houston Oilers. Walker ended his career as a two-time Pro Bowler and an All-Pro. He ended with 46 and a half sacks in his NFL career. Yeah, out of Franklin County High School in Carnesville, Georgia, go Lions. Go Lions. So Gary Walker, 51. Chris Lindstrom is 27. Current Atlanta Falcon. Lindstrom played college football at Boston College. Oh, Eagles. Before being selected 14th overall in the 2019 NFL Draft. He has started in 71 games so far in his career. He is a two-time Pro Bowler, two-time second-team All-Pro. Last offseason, he signed a five-year extension worth over $105 million to stay in Atlanta. He's awesome. Well, uh, He was also awesome at Shepherd Hill High School in Dudley, Massachusetts. Go Rams. Chris Lindstrom, 27 today. Luka Doncic is 25, current Dallas Maverick. Doncic started playing professional basketball in Europe when he was 13 years old. Accomplished just about everything he could in the EuroLeague before being selected third overall in the 2018 NBA Draft. So far, he is a five-time All-Star, four-time first-team All-Pro. He also already holds the record for most career du- uh, triple-doubles in Dallas Mavericks history. Yeah, obviously a very early pro career for him. Uh, at age 13, he signed with Real Madrid. Yep. Not the soccer team. Right. Or, excuse me, football team. Yeah. Yes. Nice. But Good the basketball save. team, Real Madrid. So, Luka Doncic, 25 today. And a very special birthday for Abby the Tiger, who is 45 today, current mascot for the Auburn Tigers. Made his debut in 1979 and is a beloved mascot among Auburn fans, one of the more animated mascots in the country. He is an 11-time national champion. In 2006, Abby was inducted into the Mascot Hall of Fame. Abby the Tiger is 45 today. 11-time champion in 45 years of existence. That's a lot of winning. It's a lot of championships and a lot of winning. And those are the birthdays in sports today. Again, Abby the Mascot, the Tiger 45, Luka Doncic 25, Chris Lindstrom 27, Gary Walker 51, Adrian Dantley 69, and Mario Andretti, 84. I'm going to be interested to see the birthday list tomorrow on a leap year day. Those are a select few. Uh, so you don't you don't get those every year. And I do. You, if you're the 29th of February, do you, are you a March 1st person? I, I don't know. Well, the other three Tyrese years, you got to be, right? Ty, Tyrese Halliburton's birthday is, uh, is on the 29th. I think he's a March 1st person. That's a good one. I, I would say March 1st because yeah. – it's still X amount. It's that amount of days past right. the beginning of the year. That's the way yeah. I look at it. I don't know. He's like, he's six years old. <laughs> <laughs> or you could say it that way. Uh, those are our birthdays in sports today. And that is the end of our second hour of the show. Again, coming up, the Sports Call 5 at 5, presented by Southeastern Land Group. Get a little bit of spring practice for you. And our final thoughts on Auburn and Tennessee coming up at 6 o'clock tonight. You're listening to the Wednesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
two hours of sports call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry, Tom Peavy with you here on this Wednesday. TP Hammock running the board, taking your phone calls on this Wednesday afternoon, turning into evening. It's time for the Sports Call 5 at 5, presented by Southeastern Land Group. As always, you can check out online at selandgroup.com for more information about John Harden and Brian Watts being able to help you with all of your local land advising needs. All right, so for the Sports Call 5 at 5 today, presented by Southeastern Land Group, going to look at five matchups in the SEC, four taking place tonight, one that took place last night. First up this afternoon, number one. We will review the game from last night. Kentucky and Mississippi State, the headliner, as that was a, a wonderfully high-scoring basketball game. Uh, Mississippi State had several leads in the second half. Kentucky was able to battle their way back. Mississippi State ends up hitting a three with seven or eight seconds left to tie it up. Reed Shepard then with a shot with under a second left, a runner in the lane uh, to do in Mississippi State. State is still in pretty good NCAA tournament. Uh, space right now however if they had gotten that one really feels like they would have locked it up and of course this is Auburn's next opponent so Mississippi State still searching for one more uh, kind of defining win to make sure they're locked into the NCAA tournament but that was a good one in Starkville last night next up number two action tonight we'll start with the snooze fest award of the evening although Florida is good Missouri is not and that's at 5 30 from Gainesville on the SEC Network, Florida is ranked in 24th. They have been uh, really good the last three or four weeks, scoring a lot of points. They take on a Missouri team that still has not won an SEC game. And uh, we'll see if that will happen for them. I'm going to go ahead and hope it doesn't. I know that seems mean, but Auburn plays them, and I'm not going to play around with that one. <laughs> Everyone else, even Mandy's up the three conference wins, but Missouri still has not won an SEC game. They're 12.5-point underdogs, which seems a little low, honestly, on the road at number 24, Florida. Next up in the Sports Call 5 at 5 is in my Southeastern Land Group. Number 3. Uh, is it number 18, South Carolina at Texas A&M. South Carolina uh, coming in, starting to steady the ship a little bit. A&M has not been steady at all, yet they are favored by 5.5 at home. A&M with just some brutal losses as of late, um, both in who they've lost to and how they've lost. 
Uh, you certainly understanding uh, understand losing at Tennessee. However, they lost by 35. That's not competitive. They then lost at home to Arkansas. Can't be losing at home to Arkansas this year. They lost to Alabama. That's perfectly fine on the road. Lost by 25. And before that, they lost to Vanderbilt on the road, 74-73. So it's been a rough four-game slide for Texas A&M. They really need one for the tournament resume. They're down to 15-12 and 12 on the year. South Carolina still hanging around that four-loss number. They're waiting to see what else uh, chaos-wise can ensue in the SEC regular season title race. South Carolina not out of that just yet. They're 22-5 and five on the season. Again, they're going to Texas A&M tonight. Next up on the Sports Call 5 at 5, presented by Southeastern Land Group. Number four. Uh, a trip to Oxford for Alabama tonight. Alabama 14th ranked. They uh, scored a lot of points against Kentucky. The problem is it was an NBA score that they allowed as the Wildcats in Rupp got a big one. Uh, Alabama with three conference losses, still tied with Tennessee atop the SEC. They go to Ole Miss where Ole Miss, uh, tournament team in record only. They are 19-8. and eight. However, they really don't have any good wins, and uh, quite frankly, they have struggled even on their home court as of late. It seemed like Auburn began kind of a trend for them a few weeks ago as Ole Miss has dropped a couple at home that could have really helped their NCAA tournament resume. I'm going to give them one last chance. If uh, they can't beat Alabama tonight, I'm not sure they can come up with the win they need to to lock themselves into the NCAA tournament. Again, ironically, both these teams are 19-8. and It's just Alabama's 19-8, and a lot different. Uh, then Ole Miss is 19-8 when you consider Alabama the top of the league. And Ole Miss is in the bottom <clears throat> half at, uh, what, 6-8 and eight in league play. And last up on the Sports Call 5 at 5, presented by Southeastern Land Group. Number 5. Is the one we've been talking about. Number 11, Auburn going to number 4, Tennessee. By the way, for what it's worth, uh, Steve mentioned the line was 7.5 on, uh, on one, 6.5 on the other. I believe he said it was seven and, uh, seven and a half on the ESPN line. That has gone back down to six and a half. So maybe it was just the timeliness of, of reporting or that sort of thing. But the line is six and a half favoring the balls tonight. Of course, Auburn with a big one. Again, that is less than an hour away. That's an ESPN two game tonight. Uh, video. I was about to that, say, that, uh, I got it that right Ike here. Jones of the War Report just posted Jalen uh, going through warm-ups. He's got his leg and he's got his knee in a sleeve right now. So, uh, definitely something to keep an eye on. Right, again, this, this will seem to be uh, a game time decision to the to the very very moment. Uh, again, that's what Bruce Pearl said it would be yesterday. And usually, when you're game time decision, you do go through warm ups in some capacity. So uh, maybe trending in the right direction, but still got to test everything in warm ups. And uh, it would be a bit of a coup to be able to get him after just one game missed. Again, we went from. Uh, just absolute uh, concern that the season would be over right. when he initially went down to maybe he only misses one game because even okay even if he doesn't play tonight logic would serve it ain't going to be three more weeks uh, so <laughs> you know so I, I would think he'd have a really good chance of playing against Mississippi State on Saturday and again I think the 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 schedule kind of just declines from here uh, you've got this huge mountaintop type of game against Tennessee tonight. Then you play Mississippi State at home. Mississippi State is a team that beat you. They are very likely an NCAA tournament team, but you're at home. You're back in the friendly confines, and you feel good about it. And then you go to Missouri. Missouri is awful. They are the worst team in the SEC, but it's a road game. You say, okay, you'll probably at least need to play okay. You can't play your D game there and yeah. uh, on the road. So you just dot your, dot your I's, cross your T's. You should be fine 
on the road. And then you play Georgia. And Georgia is better than Missouri, but it's at home. And you just beat them by 20 on the road. Shouldn't be losing to them at home. So it really feels like you kind of just de-escalate from here. Yeah. Uh, but that being said, it would be really nice to have Jalen back either tonight or certainly Mississippi State because, again, I can't I can't cook up the reason Auburn should lose either Missouri or or uh, to, to Georgia at home. I can at least cook up, a, oh, you know, Mississippi State had their number this year. They just got them in another grinded-out game and Auburn didn't handle it well and – Blah, blah, blah. You can come up with a reason. That doesn't mean it's a good one, but you can come up with a reason how they lose that one. I can't really come up with reasons for the other one. Even though it's at Missouri, they're bad. They're over. I mean, for the love. And then the fall off of Missouri needs to be studied. I I don't understand it. Snowball. I I I guess a large snowball right in the middle of Columbia. Seriously. But uh, that's Sports Call 5 at 5, presented by Southeastern Land Group. Five matchups across the Southeastern Conference. One last night and four tonight. Real quickly, guys, before we take our next break and we get to a little spring practice, uh, anything stand out from those other three games tonight? Again, uh, I know Missouri-wise, probably not. Florida's been good, though. you got South Carolina at Texas A&M, and then you got Alabama at Ole Miss. Uh, I mean, I'm intrigued with the Alabama-Ole Miss game. Uh, very intrigued with that one. Ole Miss uh, has a lot to play for. They have a lot to play for. Alabama coming off the an absolute butt kicking. Yeah, you know, to say the very least. Uh, you know, is Alabama able to bounce back, or is it a trend down for them? You know, I don't know. I, I will say this: this this popped into my head, and, and I I hate to think about it, but Auburn suffered a loss at Rupp Arena very similar to what Alabama did and then ran the table all the way through the to the final four. I hope that does not happen for Alabama. Why would you <laughs> why would you even mention such a thing? I, I'm just saying Boo Tom Boo, the, boo, boo, this, boo man. this man. Boo I'm this just, man. That went through my head. I was like, oh man. So Well I, I will I, look I will say just just to as a rebuttal to that is that this Alabama team, Nate Oates said it himself, they don't defend. And right. no team has won a championship being like outside, I think it was like the top like 40 as a championship team uh, in defense. So, right. it, yeah, I mean, they, they, they struggle mightily on that on that side of the ball. They, they can sometimes do get some decent stops and like string it together. But overall, as a, as a unit, their defense is simply not strong enough. But I agree with you. That Ole Miss uh, matchup tonight, that that's going to be an interesting one because Ole Miss, they're fighting for their tournament lives at this right. point in time. It's funny because – they're both nineteen and eight, but a very different nineteen and eight that right. they that, that Alabama and Ole Miss are. Uh, they started out strong and they just have struggled throughout conference play. Uh, and so uh, I thought this team would honestly be a little bit better than they are. I thought they would at least be a tournament team for sure. Right. Uh, but now they're they're sitting firmly on the bubble as a team that might not make it in. So they're they've got to get this win uh, to really kind of solidify themselves as a as a tournament team. And then Alabama, like you said, Tom, they just got to bounce back after getting absolutely trounced right. by Kentucky. The, my biggest separation between that Auburn Final Four team and the Alabama team, the biggest difference here. Is Alabama's already a tournament team? They they are a team competing for the regular season title. Auburn at the time when they got beat so bad by Kentucky, we were like wondering if they were even going to make the tournament. I, I mean, they it was just like they were very much a bubble team at the time, and then got their butts beat at Rupp and went on the run. 
that's different than that. I mean, this Alabama team is, is like I said, has already proven themselves as a tournament team. So there's a big difference there. Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm curious. I'm really gonna be curious to see that Alabama Ole Miss game. Just uh, like everything we said, Ole Miss playing for their lives, a lot to prove. You know, how is Alabama gonna bounce back after just a just terrible loss against Kentucky? We'll see. I'll take the other bubble team. I'll take A and M versus. Uh, South Carolina because they have been one of the more perplexing teams I think in major college basketball this year uh, they were picked no to be sense. towards the top of the SEC they were picked to have the player of the year in the conference in Wade Taylor uh, they started the year downright poor uh, we saw them hang around Auburn but but lose then here's some of their good wins since that Auburn game on January 9th they beat Kentucky 97 to 92 uh, they were able to uh, beat Florida 67-66 in a close one. They beat Tennessee 85-69. I mean, that's three of the top five or six teams in the SEC that they would beat. Granted, all home games, but they were able to beat all of them. Well, again, here's their bad losses. They lost to Arkansas not once but twice. They've lost to Vanderbilt, and they also lost really early in league play. It's not that they lost to LSU, but it's that they lost to LSU on their home court by 15 uh, so A&M has been very odd. They got to 15-8. and eight. They look like they had righted the ship. As I mentioned a little while ago, they've lost four in a row. Uh, and it's kind of now or never for them, too. I mean, they can beat South Carolina. They're a ranked team. I'm not even sure if it's a quad one game, though, because the net rankings for South Carolina are not very favorable. So I don't even think it's a quad one win. But, hey, the perception of beating a ranked team that's – uh, tied for sec or tied for third in the SEC, that'd be nice. It'd right the ship. Uh, you have a palatable uh, game at Georgia this weekend. Like you, you got to get it back going in the right direction. A and M's not gonna make the tournament at sixteen and fifteen or seventeen and fourteen. So they need this one. They also play Ole Miss. By the way, the last game of the year in Oxford. That might be a bubble off. That's a mid off uh, where the winner might get to go to the tournament and the loser probably not. Maybe they both miss it. I don't know, but. Uh, that one will be pretty important, too. So I want to see if Texas A&M can beat South Carolina, again, on A&M's home floor. Uh, on A&M's home floor, uh, they've, again, beaten Tennessee, beaten Kentucky, beaten Florida. Uh, that's a really good resume, but uh, you need to keep it going because they've lost four in a row, and, and TP tells me that will be a quad two game tonight. But nevertheless, still value that opportunity and uh, still top 25 in the AP poll, so that's still – uh, still about the best game they've got uh, on their remaining schedule. Let's go ahead and take our next time out of the show. When we come back, a little bit about Auburn spring practice as it did open up yesterday. And we'll also have our final thoughts on the Auburn and Tennessee matchup coming up in less than an hour from Knoxville. You're listening to the Wednesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Time out. Sports Call will be back after this quick break. Want more Sports Call? Check us out online at sportscallauburn.com.
Welcome back to Auburn's First and Auburn's Favorite Sports Talk Show. This is the Wednesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Or if you're listening after the fact on the Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola, available wherever you may get your podcast. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry, and Tom Peavy with you here on this Wednesday. Coming up in just a few minutes, our final thoughts on Auburn and Tennessee getting set to do battle in Thompson Bowling Arena in Knoxville. Uh, but do want to do a segment on Auburn football spring practice. We did hear from Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer earlier in the show today. A little bit about spring ball starting yesterday for the Tigers. Again, practicing yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And then taking a week off for spring break, which, again, feels early to me for some reason. I felt like it was a mid to late March endeavor. Now it's apparently the first week of March. Anyway, you got uh, three more weeks of practice after that. Portal open mid-April, all that good stuff. So... Uh, we saw and heard some of Justin's observations. Cam Coleman in there. Yes, you could if you tried to play the I spy the five star wide receiver. If you saw some of those videos, yes, you found him. He's the large one with the muscles and looks like he's going to run like a gazelle. Uh, that, that's Cam Coleman. Uh, you also had Bryce Kane in there, and you had some of these defensive guys uh, that Ferg was talking about again: Demarcus Riddick, Jamonte Waller, Mars Williams. Uh, uh, again, a highly uh, Joe Phillips, a highly rated group. You get so excited, you cover these guys for maybe a year or more recruiting-wise, and then they get on the football field in, in the spring. And then you've also got to remember, most most freshmen don't have a huge impact. Some right. do, maybe a handful, yeah. but usually sophomore, junior, senior, that's when your four-star guys are really and five-star guys are, are, are being impactful indeed. So if you were to pick, though, and we'll leave offense out, if you were to pick a defensive guy, again, you got Jamarcus Riddick, you got Joe Phillips, Javante Waller, Morris Williams. If you were to pick it, and, and some others too, some DBs, if you were to pick a freshman that you thought would be able to contribute right away, who would you choose? I think it would be uh, Joseph Phillips. I'm excited to see what he can do at that edge position. Uh, I think he's a, I mean, he's a fantastic player from just right down the road at BTW. I, I think he's going to be uh, a very impactful guy. I, I think, uh, I, I mean, I just think he's going to be really, really good. So I'm excited to see him. I think he's going to be the impactful player for the defensive side of the ball as a freshman. I'm not going to say he's going to go crazy or anything like that, maybe not even to the degree of, like, a Harold Perkins, but like I think he's going to be a very, very talented uh, uh, player for Auburn coming coming in the fall. Tom, what about you? All right, we're talking about just overall, just defensive just, guys. Just, okay, so yeah, you just, cannot say Cam Coleman or, or Perry Thompson. Right, I, I believe they will have an impact. Um, man, you know because they filled out so much with the with uh, transfers that. The freshman, I mean, there's, I mean, there's some. I mean, I, Demarcus Riddick maybe at linebacker. I'm excited you know? to see him as well. Um, I, I think he's going to have some impact yeah, as and, well. Not and to be fair, not I'm not heavily, but we're not promising you a high impact from right, these guys. Right. I'm just saying, just if you had to impact. pick one to have a chance, yeah. I, you know, on it, I, Amaris Williams on, on that defensive line. Yeah, uh, it's a must. It, it, right. Well, because I mean, it, now they've brought in some transfer guys that right. you think are going to be impacts here. But I mean, if you think about a freshman, that I don't think he's going to end up being a starter, but a guy that can rotate in there and give you some depth there and get some playing time and make an impact. I, I could definitely see Amaris Williams doing that. I mean, very highly rated kid coming out of high school. Um, yeah, I, I could see that. I could see him making an impact on that D line. I, I think the need is certainly there. Right. I, mean, I think that. Uh, there's a couple of distinct needs on this defense. And, again, I think defensive 
and defensive back wise, I don't think they got as high of a caliber of guy there, and therefore I would say it's a little bit more of a de- developmental process there. Uh, but with Williams, I wonder uh, the the beef that you want to have out of your interior defensive line if he will be ready for that as a freshman. He is mm-hmm. again a highly rated. Uh, guy, I mean, being a five-star guy on a couple sides. I like the line of thinking of edge rushing, uh, either Phillips or Jamonte Waller. Uh, Waller being a, a very high four-star guy, um, top 100 in some of the services. I think that you're looking for a pretty big impact there. I know Jalen McLeod is back. I know that, uh, again, Auburn will tell you if he is healthier this year, he will make He's a, uh, yeah. a huge impact. I, I he, agree. He started to at the end of last he year. but he, the, he definitely felt sure, him, his presence. Sure. The first half of the year, obviously, he was banged up and it was not as impactful. Um, you saw that they have a lot of work to do there. Now, they lost a couple of their big boys in the middle, so they, they've got to get some help with those guys. But I think with what you were looking at portal-wise, I think that they were a little more concentrated on the veterans for the middle of the defensive line there. Uh, with right. Phil Carter, Texas, and Gage Keys of Kansas, I think at least one of those guys <laughs> I both love will play. Name. I, lo- yeah. I love it. <laughs> um, and so I think that, that that was the need there, but they did not really get an edge guy. Again, they got Dory Mousey of, of Duke, which we talked about with Ferg a little bit, but that seems like more of an inside guy. It seems like they've got a pretty good feel of their linebacking room. I, I, I feel like Riddick is, is probably going to be a really good football player, but he might just not be as needed uh, for what he does, whereas the, off, uh, the outside linebackers, excuse me, Micah Joe Phillips would have more of an instant need there because of what – Auburn is trying to add to their pass rush and that sort of thing. Uh, really liked Ke- Keldrick Falk in doses last year, so I think that's somebody up front that will be able to take a step this year. So uh, I would say one of those those edge guys in particular would be a pretty good bet. One of them you're going to see a little bit start to make these impacts and, and rush the passer in their freshman year. Now, again, obviously if you look at the offensive side of the ball changing up a little bit, uh, again, the sentiment is going to be – all focused on those wide receivers and then a little bit about walker white too and uh you heard ferg talk a little bit about white uh, throwing a good ball uh again a few overthrows you're going to hear a lot of that from these quarterbacks where oh they all are pure passers or good passers or whatever well can we've seen some of them on the field and it's not been the best so i would caution again the uh, increasing optimism that will inevitably come every time you see a guy throw to to air or throw through uh, no defense. But you know, I think that that watching Walker White for the first time will be meaningful. Uh, and obviously, already guys getting very excited about seeing Cam Coleman, Bryce Kane out there um, again. Thompson will not be here until the fall Mal- or the summer, I should say. Malcolm Simmons is not going to be here till the summer, but you do get a preview of Cam Coleman already. And, again, realistically, Simmons and Kane, I would say, yeah, you know, it's going to be harder for them to see much playing time in year one. You do have, uh, at the end of the day, a couple of guys back that you still will think at least play a little bit. I don't know how Robert Lewis, uh, the Georgia State transfer, will factor in. Uh, you know you still got to get fair weather out there and that sort of thing. So and is he just true tight end, or do you still have the packages where he is lined up as a wide receiver? you got questions. Uh, there, I think they're far better questions than last year, uh, but I do think we'll see Coleman. Um, I do think we'll see Thompson. 
And I'm excited to see Coleman at least throughout this spring and, and uh, see what he's got to offer. We're going to go ahead and take our next timeout of the show when we come back. Start to wrap up this Wednesday edition of the show. We'll focus on this Auburn-Tennessee matchup one more time coming up in Knoxville in just about a half hour. You're listening to the Wednesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Sports Call has been on the air since 1995. I'm Britt Bowen, voice of Auburn women's basketball and Auburn softball. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call Tiger 95.9. Ryan Lavoy, Tom Peavy, Cam Barry with you here on this Wednesday. TP Hammock running the board and taking your phone calls on this Wednesday. Uh, final 15 or so minutes of the show today. Again, Auburn, Tennessee getting set uh, for about in Knoxville in a little under a half hour. Saw some video, as the guys were mentioning a little bit earlier, of Jalen Williams warming up, so we're still waiting to see. Uh, what his status is, how much he would play, that sort of thing. Uh, but let's talk about this matchup again. Uh, we spent a lot of time on what Tennessee is capable of, so let's spend a little bit more time on Auburn's side of it and, uh, again, what we expect from Auburn's group tonight with or without Jalen Williams. So, obviously, in the Georgia game, we saw a huge Chad baker Bazaar game. We saw a great Chaney Johnson game. Saw a good Aiden Holloway game, and we asked Ferg about that. And he said to watch out for Hallway's playmaking. And that is a good point. These guards did not respond well to the Kentucky game. Kentucky pressured them yeah. a little bit more than what they were used to seeing once they got across half court. And it was one of Donaldson's worst games. Obviously, Hallway had not come out of the slump yet. And these Tennessee guards with Vescovy and Ziegler, they are past. And again, they were a part of a team that allowed 56 points a game last year. Right. So they are very good defensive guards. Yeah. So for Donaldson and for Hallway, and I think we'll see more Hallway than Donaldson because that's been the trend the last couple of games. We Again, we've just gone back and forth on this. Uh, but what do you need to see out of, out of Hallway and Donaldson tonight? Uh, well, the first thing is, just, is protect the ball. Uh, right. I mean, that that's the biggest thing. Um, don't give up the easy turnovers. But um, – they're just they're going to have to key the ball movement because I mean if 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 Tennessee wants to come up if they try to do what Kentucky did and start really uh, being a pestering pestering yeah. them from the get go then they're going to have to be able to move the ball because the last thing you want to do is find yourself where you in a situation where you've picked up your dribble um, and then you're stuck or you know you're just not protecting the ball so the ball movement coming off that point is going to be vital right there to to stop them from pestering. I mean, if you can get the ball moving around, then then you can get Tennessee out of place and you don't allow them to get up in your face. So 
that ball movement from there uh, is going to be, I think, key if Tennessee decides that they're going to come out there and really start trying to put pressure on Auburn. Yeah, I bet you they will too. I I would I would guess that they'll probably try to pressure early just to kind of see if they can rattle the guards or at least you know, again. I th- I think it'll be Aiden starting. We don't know. It probably will be Aiden starting just to get him, you know, continue to try and get him in his groove. But uh, and I think just uh, you know they said that kind of just from a balance standpoint, you put you move Trey to the bench, kind of uh, gives you a little bit more more uh, of a balance there. So we'll we'll see how that works out. But yeah, um, yeah, just not turning the ball over. Got to be smart with it if you're the guards. Um, yeah, just got to be able to handle that pressure because I do think that Tennessee is going to try to apply some um, and try not to, to wear yourselves out too much because you are going to have to work a little bit on the defensive side of the ball, which, again, Auburn is not – they're used to doing that. They work they, – they do pretty well on the defensive side of the ball. Again, when they're – you know, metrics-wise, they are a top-10 defensive team. So uh, I don't have too much worry uh, about the defensive side of the ball um, – and gosh, which is so just I, every time like we're talking about how good this defense is, I always think back to the beginning of the season about how Bruce is so worried about the defense. And it's like, man, this is a good defensive team. Like yeah. they they really can stay in front of their man. Sometimes they do lose assignments. It just it just happens. Sometimes they are still college basketball players. But overall, this is an extremely solid defensive uh, team and uh, very, very sound. So. I think you lean on your defense, you use the defense to translate it into your offense, get some fast break points, be disruptive, force turnovers because Auburn's pretty good at forcing turnovers uh and and I and I mean this will be a tough a tough team to turn over um because you know they have so much experience at guard but uh, I think that's kind of a key to how you can kind of gain some momentum in a really tough place to play. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I was going to add, you know, with the, the guards and, and that passing, you know, we talked about how, you know, the passing has got to be crisp. It's got to be – can't be lazy. Right. It can't be lazy passes because especially if Tennessee is trying to get up in your face, then they're going to be able to step in lanes. But the other reason uh, – the other thing is don't find yourself into a situation where you're making a desperation pass because those are usually the ones that end up getting turned into turnovers. Um, they, they just they, – they've got to be very precise. Um, I don't think Auburn has to be perfect to beat Tennessee, um, but they've got to be – Gotta darn, play a sound they got to be darn yeah, close. I mean, really, they've got to really be sound, sound right? Both sides of the ball, I agree. And but the other thing, just in general, on offense, what Auburn's I, Auburn is going to have to be aggressive. I th- I think that you're playing into Tennessee's hand if you go that non-aggressive route, or if you're, you know, even if you're just struggling to get that shot. I, I think if Tennessee works Auburn into a, a shot clock type deal, where Auburn's really only getting one shot right there towards the end of the shot clock. I think that plays into Tennessee's favor, unless Auburn is actually hitting their shots. But um, I think Auburn needs to try to be aggressive, uh, get ahead of the shot clock, hopefully strong rebounding to where you can actually give yourself a couple more opportunities down there. Um, One of the biggest things that will hurt Auburn is one-shot possession if you miss. uh, So then the rebounding is going to be a big thing. And then also on the other side of the court – don't let Tennessee just keep having multiple shots. I mean, you've got to be able to pull some rebounds down. You got to have multiple guys down there uh, banging around, and I, that's one area that we've seen Auburn have some issues. Uh, even against some bad teams, have had a lot of second chance opportunities where they turn them into points is one thing, but they're getting the second chance opportunities, and I'd like to see that change. 
You know, I think with these guards, uh, one thing that is pretty consistent about them is they usually do take good care of the ball. I mean, Auburn's – Typically, yes. Uh, Auburn's in 10.5, 11 turnover mark all season long. That is a uh, – <clears throat> that is a, a good place to be in um, for any basketball, college basketball included. I, I think that the issue here is can they make passes that truly set up others tonight? Because I don't think they'll start turnover six or seven times. If Auburn has a turnover issue, I think it'll be because other guys are handling the ball too much or Broom has a, a bad night down low or, or something like that. I don't think Holloway and Donaldson will both combine for eight or nine turnovers. But can they actually make the pass that does get you a shot? Because sometimes that's not what, what's able to happen in college offenses and you have to ISO more and it's late shot clock or it just takes a lot of ball movement and that sort of thing. Uh, but their assisted turnover numbers have been pretty darn good this year. But in the couple of games where they've really struggled offensively, you'll see them only have like one assist. It won't be that they have five turnovers. They'll just have like one assist or two assists. And so what I want to see from them, and this is kind of what Fur was talking about. Okay, Aiden Hallway may or may not shoot the ball well tonight. But can he have five assists to no turnovers or, right. or five <clears throat> assists to one turnover? and? Can Trey Donaldson affect the game? And sometimes Trey Donaldson's able to play a little bit of good defense and he's able right. to get involved a little bit, but sometimes he's just not able to have his imprint on a game. So can they, again, positively play make regardless of what they actually shoot? Because, I, I mean, look, I'm a little skeptical about Hallway shooting in. I, I, yeah, gosh, I, I mean, hope, it's only one you know, game, right? Yeah, for sure. Game. I mean, you can't you can't chalk that up to. I mean, I was I jokingly tweeted, and a few people I saw Twitter was like, "Aiden's back." <laughs> we'll see. But I mean, right. It's fun to see that he's making shots. Yeah, I mean, first threes. time a while. Like, that's great. Set, we uh, hope that it jump start stuff, but my bad. Continue. No, you're good. Um, so again, I really don't know what that look like. He he could have another four or five three point night. He'd go one of eight tonight, and. Can you at least affect the game in a positive way in terms of the assist-to-turnover ratio and creating uh, realistically good shot opportunities for everybody else? That's going to be uh, a really important part of it. Um, did see a few minutes ago, still waiting for an Auburn beat guy to uh, to tweet about it or report it. John Rothstein uh, is reporting that Jalen Williams is available to play tonight. So let's see. Uh, let's see if uh, and. One of the Auburn beat guys confirmed that. That was about 10 minutes ago. I've not seen a confirmation of that just yet. But Rothstein sources tell him Jalen Williams is, is going to be available tonight. So, one well, minute, but now, it, I mean, isn't that kind of what Bruce Pearl said? I mean, he thought that he would be available, just don't know whether they would use him, or was there still the yeah, question I still on even if he was mean, though, he would play. I mean, I'd, right. I'd, I'd, I don't. You think if Rothstein's reporting yeah. that, that probably means he's going to play. Play, yeah. I think that would elevate it to that. So, still some unknowns. We're still waiting on one last confirmation. Before we give our final picks, need to get this in real quick because we have a second giveaway today, too. Uh, we gave away some women's basketball tickets in the 4 o'clock hour. Here in the 5 o'clock hour, we do have Auburn baseball tickets to give away. The Friday night game against UConn. UConn's been a tournament team in the past. The first caller gets four tickets to Auburn and UConn uh, Friday night uh, inside of Plainsman Park. 334-887-3401 or toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Four tickets to Auburn and UConn in Plainsman Park Friday night. 
Sovereign baseball team. We've not been able to talk about them today, but off to a really good start uh, this season. All right, so, guys, final thoughts on the Auburn-Tennessee game. What decides this game? Which way are you leaning? Ah, I, 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 I think I'm going to go with a Tennessee game, a Tennessee win here. I think it'll be single digits um, just because they are at home. I think Auburn's going to play them very, very tough. Um, and I think that's good. I think that'll be something that'll be good to see just for Auburn going down the stretch in the in the future. I think I think Auburn's going to lose a close one. Uh, I, I think Dalton Connect might be a little bit too much. I think um, you know. I, I also think that just the, all the other options will be just a little bit much for them as well. Um, yeah, I think it'll be a close one. I think it could. De- I really think it could come down to like the final minute. Honestly, uh, just just depends on how the game goes. Uh, you know, just trend wise. But I, I think Tennessee might pull this one out. Could be wrong. Again, it's a 50-50 type of game. I, I could be wrong, but I do think that just in a close game and a close one, I think it'll be Tennessee just because they're at home, and I think that gives them a, a slight edge uh, over over this Auburn team. But I think it'll be a fantastic game. I think I'm going to go Tennessee. Tennessee 86, Auburn 83. Well, okay, close one. Mm-hmm. And a high scoring one. <clears throat> um I I I don't my gut tells me not as positive uh, and I hate thinking that way about Auburn any any sport but uh I I really I think this is going to be like a 12 13 point win uh Tennessee win. I think it's one of those, uh, again, I hate to say it, I, I feel like it's going to be one of those where Tennessee has a big lead, Auburn kind of chips away, chips into it and tries to get back in the game, but they just can't really make enough of a run to get there. Um, that's just, I don't know, that's just what this one feels like to me. Um, you know, it, it, it feels like one of those where Tennessee is up by like 20 and Auburn keeps trying to come back and chip away, but they just, you know, run out of time and you just can't make it, you know, get back into it. And that's why I'm saying like a 12, 13 point Tennessee win. Um, uh, you know, I, and if that happens, if it does go that way, it's because Auburn is struggling bad on offense. And so that's, that's why I'm, I'm sitting there. I could see that one being a, you know, you know, a Tennessee with like 75, Auburn would, you know, somewhere low in, 60s. in the low 60s. Yeah. You know, scoring scoring around that thirty something per half. I, that's just that's that's the gut feeling I have from this. I, I don't know why. It's just sure. it's kind of this that gut feeling that it's not going to be really a good game for. I Auburn. think Tennessee is just a little they're better, really, and I good. think they're at home. You know, yeah. so <laughs> well, no, I, I you will know, say the, this: they're. I understand. Ten, it, at, at home, I mean, that obviously favors Tennessee, but Tennessee, you know, Thompson Bowling, it's not known as like one of those environments like, man, teams really struggle in Thompson Bowling. It's just a sure. great it's a great big arena. It's the it's the antithesis of Neville Arena. Thompson Bowling is a great big huge arena that has actually hosted NCAA tournament games. Um it's a big, wide open when the fans are far away from the court. It's not an intimidating place. Sure, I'm sure. I'm sure their students get in there and it gets loud and and stuff. But it's not. Yeah, I mean, I've been in there. Yeah, it's not I've, an intimidating yeah. environment. It's just a big. It's a large boy. It's large. Yeah, it's very large. Um, they, and, you know, the yeah. only time I was in that arena was an NCAA tournament game, and that was that '99 year that uh, Chris Porter and them got beat by uh, Ohio State. 
in the Sweet 16 there in Thompson Bowling. So, yeah, I mean, it's a big enough arena that they hold <laughs> Sweet 16 games there in the past. Sure. But I don't know. I, I, there, sure, there's a chance Auburn could pull this upset and all of it, but I, I just think Tennessee and, and Don Connect, I think they've just – I think they've got too many weapons and they're at home. Uh, yeah. Auburn And Auburn, while they have had some good road games, I think typically Auburn has shown that – Against the really, really good teams, they don't play well at home or on the road. I, so I think that uh, Tennessee will win. I think that this is going to be a game where Auburn has a moment, uh, and maybe it's as early as the first half, but they have a moment, they have a sequence where they have an opportunity to seize the game, seize the momentum, get out in front or, or complete a big big run, and they fail to do it. I think that they're going to struggle a little bit from the three-point line. I don't think it'll be as bad as the Kentucky game, right. but I do think that they're going to probably be somewhere in the 25% range from three tonight, probably something like uh, 5 of 20 or 6 of 24, somewhere in there. And I think that's going to prevent them from making the run they need to. Uh, I do think that they'll keep it pretty close because I think their defense can handle at least some of the other things Tennessee does well. I think Connect will get his, but when you have a star player like that, can you make him inefficient? He'll get 20 points, right. but can you make him 7 of 21 instead of 12 of 15? You know, something right. like that. and uh, Or, or 9 of Nine of fourteen, something like that. So, uh, I, I think they will hold um, hold Tennessee within striking distance and just not be able to make the run they need to. I'm thinking something like seventy eight to seventy, uh, something in there. So an eight nine point game. Um, I, I know the line's been six and a half or seven, so maybe that's in my head. But um, I, I think Auburn will have a chance tonight. But I just think that they won't be able to seize the moment offensively that they're going to need to, and uh, somewhere in there. Clean sweep of us picking Tennessee. Come on, Auburn. <laughs> uh, yeah. We, we hope it works. Uh, we'll see. Uh, I, the, the other thing that I'll, I will say and keep an eye out for, and Steve even mentioned this on, on his call, but it, typically when Auburn struggles in these games, which obviously we all are picking Tennessee, those are the ones that Auburn tends to find themselves in a lot of foul trouble. And I could see that being yes. I could see that being something that has an effect on this game. If, if need to find out who the referee crew is. I, I had it, it I matter. had it pulled up. I had it ah. pulled up. Uh, one of the officials officiated the Auburn Tennessee game last year and was the okay. guy that did not call a foul Whoops. like late in the game. The the that, final window green shot? Uh, well, yeah. I think it was at the window. Okay, yeah. I guess it was. Did not call a foul. That guy's officiating this game. Oh, that's fun. I don't. Rem- I don't remember I don't, who it was. I, I was. Either. I was there, so I was. And I. I assure you, from my seat, I was not going to be able to make out who the <laughs> officials were. It was rather high in the arena, and uh, I don't know. I can tell you who my three least favorite are. Uh, Doug shows. Uh, no, I do not hate Doug Shows actually. Um, Shows. Uh, that's how you it's, say it. It's Doug Shows. I promise. Um, it's uh, it's Teddy Valentine. TV Teddy, you can't have a nickname TV and be a referee, and like that's not a good thing. I'm no, sorry, it's that's not. not a good thing. Can't stand Teddy Valentine. Can't stand Pat Adams. Pat Adams and Asia. can't stand uh, Joe Lindsay. Uh, Joe Lindsay worked one of the more recent Auburn games. I forget which one it was, but don't like Joe Lindsay. Uh, but anyway, that's neither here nor there. And everyone always has a list of refs they don't like. No one ever has a, a list of refs they do like. Uh, so <laughs> there's my Very list fair. of refs I don't like. Uh, anyway, final minute or two of the show. It is time to get to a nightly TV guide. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's nightly TV guide. Sports Call's nightly TV guide is presented, as always, by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Again, 
Very aware of it by now, 6 o'clock on ESPN2. It's number 11, Auburn, going to number 4, Tennessee. Again, uh, Tom Hart and Jimmy Dykes will be on the call of that one. 6 o'clock on ESPNU, you got Furman at Western Carolina. Also 6 o'clock on FS1, you got number 5, Marquette, playing Providence. I don't know if a lot of people have seen Marquette, but they continue to be very highly ranked this year. That's, again, 6 o'clock on FS1. Two movie picks for you, again, all at 6 o'clock, so I think you'll all be watching the Auburn game, but 6 o'clock on FX, it's Black Widow, and 6 o'clock on Sci-Fi, it's Avengers Age of Ultron, and that is Sports Calls Nightly TV Guide presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer, and that will do it for this Wednesday edition of the program. Cam Barry, thank you for being here on this Wednesday. We'll see you again on Friday. See you on Friday. Glad to be here. And Tom Peavy, thank you for being here throughout this week, sir. I hope you have a good rest of your week. We'll see you again next week. Yep, it's going to be a very busy weekend of work for me, but... uh well, I hope you get through it. I hope you do good business, and I hope uh, I hope you get work, some good sleep afterwards. Yeah, well, we're working a Saturday for somebody, which I don't normally do. But uh-huh. yeah, it's going to be a busy weekend. But I have enjoyed the week here, and looking forward to talking more sports next week when I'm back on the show. Absolutely. So that will do it for this Wednesday edition of the program. We want to thank Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer, and also TP Hammock for being our board op and taking phone calls today. And as always, we appreciate all those that tune in and called in for TP Hammock for Camberry. And for Tom Peavy, my name is Ryan LaVoy. Have a great Wednesday night, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow.